Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Peter? This is for you. Double time. More pictures of Spider-Man here on Everything is Spider-Man on Push Your Recaps as we are swinging away through the Spider-Man movies. I'm Josh Wiggler. I'm joined here by uh, guys. Uh, Kevin, uh, was it was it you? Were you the one who you killed my uncle? It was you the whole time. It was really you. I thought it. I thought it was the other guy. It was you, Kevin. You did. Of course, this? it was me. You should have known it was me, Josh. But it's okay. It was a total accident. Like I committed armed robbery and accidentally murdered a person, but that's and that's fine. Like that's that's allowed. There's no laws against Kevin, that, and you, no one should look like, sideways on that fact. Do you like that I assigned you the role of Sandman as opposed to Venom? At least I gave you the courtesy of not assigning you the role of Venom. I don't know though. I I hate sand. It gets everywhere. <laughs> it's coarse. <laughs> it's coarse, and it gets everywhere. Uh, Kevin, we are not alone here. Uh, much as when one wears a, a symbiote suit, uh, you also now suddenly have voices, and you refer to yourself as the royal we. Uh, and we have everything is super royalty. In the house, one of our most prolific contributors to Everything is Super. If you've listened to this podcast, you've heard the name mentioned every time we dig into feedback. Uh, no longer just words on a page translated into my voice into a microphone. This person is real. It's the, it's the Bernard of the podcast who knows all of our family secrets, has been waiting in the shadows, ready to spill the tea, the great Professor Strunk making his Everything is Super debut. Professor Strunk! Oh my gosh. I am beyond thrilled to be here, Josh, Kevin. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, I tried to hold off from laughing um, <laughs> so, until my reveal. We're very know, good at what we do. Like a, and if you're a fly on the wall or a spider on the wall, I can't imagine not just laughing. Well, you, so you gave a T-bird, a T-bird level introduction there, but I couldn't help but laugh at the, uh, the sand reference. <laughs> I, it just, you know, brings me back to a, a different era of my life watching the prequel trilogy. I, so I wanted same to... Same era here. This, I feel like, same levels. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. This was 2007? This movie, we were like, Wild. we were this deep into in the, the 2000s, and we, we got, yeah. this is what we got! Anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. I want to give a little bit of backstory for how Professor Strunk wound up on this podcast. Professor Strunk, you've been a friend of mine for a few years now, uh, and you you reached out to me, 
And you said, put me on a podcast. I'm ready to go. And I'm like, all right, well, we've got Spider-Man coming up. You want to do some Spider-Man with us? And you're like, absolutely. I'm like, all right, which one? And you go, Spider-Man 3. Absolutely. Like, you picked Spider-Man 3? This is the one you wanted to do? Uh, so here you are. Well, here I was with us on Spider-Man 3. Strong. I was, uh, I was curious whether on the rewatch it would be in any way rehabilitated. Yeah. Um, I won't bury the lead. It was not rehabilitated. It was not. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. but, but yeah. I thought I could maybe play that role of advocate for Spider-Man 3. Um, if, if you can't podcast about the very, very best superhero movie, I feel like the other play is to podcast about the very, very worst. I think that makes sense. I think yeah. it's a strategy, Kevin. Uh, like I you, love you want to go high or you want to go low? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Because, like, for me, as much as, like, I've enjoyed talking about, like, the great stuff, right? Like, Black Panther was is a great example. Like, emotional, like, was really passionate about talking about it. But uh, for people who know me, like, this is... This is this is my world. I, I'm in the realm when I get to talk about things I really dislike and things I don't enjoy. So um, this is gonna be a good one. <laughs> I think this will be fun, and it's funny because Strunk, your instinct to like get on here and be the guy who like uh, you'll be the Uncle Ben. You're like, listen, with with uh, bad movies come great rewatchability. Uh, like, <laughs> that you're gonna come here and try and like make this work to some degree. And yet that wasn't happening for you. Uh, and I had the experience of watching this just a few hours ago, actually, in the Posture Recaps patron discord. Shout out to the discord. We had a really fun live watch in there of the film. Uh, and my watch was, I would guess, probably in the realm of like 15 to 17 hours after Kevin's watch, which uh, you can see the remnants of on Twitter because Kevin went on a, a very... Uh, incensed tweet storm about Spider-Man 3. <laughs> and so I started off like in the Discord with everyone being like, you know, it, it, Kevin didn't go into that with an open mind. He didn't go into that with an open heart. He went into that ready for hate. Uh, he wanted to hate it. He wanted to go in. He was ready to just eviscerate it. Uh, you can tell by the tenor of the tweets that Kevin was ready to just do the Mahadman thing. Uh, and I, I'm not, I'm not here for that. I'm here, I'm here for love. I'm here to enjoy it. I'm here to have a good time. I'm here to laugh. I think it's going to be better than we remember. And for about an hour of the movie, there's like a <laughs> couple of moments where I'm like, mm. uh, but for the most part, for about an hour of the movie, I'm like, this is actually a lot better than I remember. And then it gets worse than I remember. Uh, yeah. And so oh, wow. I, okay. I also wanted to be the person on the podcast who came here, especially after like my spicier Spider-Man 2 takes, to come on here and be like, I, I wanted nothing more, Kevin, than to get on here and play the role of like, you know, I actually think Spider-Man 3 is better than Spider-Man 2. And to have like Kevin go, nonsense, nonsense, that's crazy. That's crazy pants bananas. No way, you're out of your mind. Uh, that's my Kevin impression. It needs some work. Um, it's not good. It's not good. Green You're Goblin in there, Jacob. I feel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Better than Spider-Man 2, is it? Uh, and I, I would have loved to have been that person, Kevin. I cannot be that person. This movie is trash. It's, it's not, it's not good. It's I, not you good. know, it's, it's so funny because I also, like, when I started this movie, right, like, I was, yeah, part of me was going in right to be like, oh, this is going to be rough. And I was, surprised by a bit of it like i don't think anything was just i don't think i was ever like oh this is actually good i was like oh this isn't that bad and there is just a point where all the bad starts like snowballing and it just gets worse and worse and 
worse. Like it's so crazy and it's so funny because like the the beginning, the very, very beginning almost like set me off in a jokey way and then became like reality. And I think it's a part of the biggest problem. Like this movie opens up with um, you know, the 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 usual like opening credits that the first two have done, the spider crawls and the webs, except it goes through both movies, like the entirety of both movies, which sets the stage for like what some of the biggest problems with this is in that the scenes just go on. They just keep going. And like, this is a Sam Raimi thing where his scenes just continue. Yeah, for that's, a while. Not, that's definitely not unique to this one. It, but it's, it's, it's exuberant in this one. It, it is like the George Lucas effect where like people were around in like the original trilogy to be like, yo, we got to edit this. And like people were there to like cut him or to do something. And I, I feel like by the third movie, I, it's not a far stretch to think like Sam Raimi was just like, I get full creative control. If you want me to do Venom, you can't, I get to do whatever I want. And no one edited him. And he just got to do these long extended scenes for everything. And it's just like, oh boy, like it's too much. Sometimes you just need someone to rein you in. And going into it, I was kind of wondering, is this going to be, you know, I knew, I kind of expected it would be bad, even though I wanted to be the guy who rehabilitated it. But even when it started getting bad and I knew I, I'm not going to be able to rehabilitate this movie, <laughs> I thought like, is it still going to be good, bad? Like I, when I rewatched Iron Man 2 for Everything is Super, I totally expected that to be bad, but I oddly found myself enjoying it much more than I expected because for some reason it struck me. I can't put a finger on why or put it into words, but it was like good, bad. Yeah. And this was just bad, bad. There was, there was, there was, except for the omelet scene, which we can get into later. The omelets, which- look, there were some things in here <laughs> that I definitely had, had more fun with than, than, uh, is probably like cool to admit. Uh, like there's like some of like the the really stupid slapsticky stuff. Like there are aspects of emo Peter that killed me. The entire like jazz club scene. Throw that in the trash. <laughs> Wait, so okay. I, I don't want to def- be the guy who makes his podcast debut defending the jazz club scene, but I will say it's he better on Mary the- Jane. Better on the second watch. Oh my I god! Was, I no compared way. to this by watching it twice. Yeah, it's not even. Spider-Man three twice. He watched it twice before he that's, came on here. That's that's too too many. Man. It's yeah. better. It's better the second time. But it's we appreciate still your bad. dedication to the craft. But uh, man, you did not have to do that. Uh, the jazz but, scene uh, is like I think one of the things I I, I really hate the most. And um, like it's such a, a culmination of all the stuff that was bugging the hell out of me. Yeah, and I understand. Like they probably did certain things on purpose. Like they gave him harsh lighting, but it's such a nothing makes sense in this movie. It's such a contrary <laughs> to what they were doing. Yeah. Like because the harsh light makes him look really bad, like pale and like bags under the eyes. And well, that's, on, all that's on purpose. Terrible. No? Yeah. So here's the thing though. It would be on purpose to be like, Oh, he does not look good. He looks creepy. If everyone around him wasn't like, Woo. Yeah. Dance. But I don't know that everyone around him is. They like were that. Josh. I rewound it like twice. I, I actually went through that scene. Yeah. The, from, from the dancing to the end, because everyone defends it and says like, well, people aren't into it. Bull poopy. Like people on the street were into it. There were some who were just yeah. like, oh no. A lot of it was typical New Yorker where it's just like, why are you stopping in front of me? Right. But like a lot of it, girls were there's a girl, and I rerounded it twice to make sure, who like literally when he's doing his finger things, turns around and bites her lip and like gives him the look. Like there are people into it. Betty's into it, Gwen's into it, the people in the club were all cheering about the dancing. I am tired. Of, oh, I'm now mad. I'm tired of the argument people make where it's just like, oh, no, people weren't into it. It's what Peter thought. No, people were into it. They were clearly trying to make it like he's cool now and people like him. 
it's insane. Like nobody likes him. Like Jesus, even Kevin, if you're just jealous because likes- he's a better dancer than you. First of all, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I will summon every bit of my Indian and Guyanese heritage to rain like fire down on you right now. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, but uh, there, so, so I, I, I get that. I hear, I hear, I hear all that. Uh, your points are taken. Uh, I, I feel like there, there are some things that that I. That I that I enjoyed a little bit more than I expected to, and then a ton that is, was so much worse than than I expected. And I I think like, um, and Strunk, you watched this twice, so you you yes. could really uh, you you insane person, you uh, you could you could really help navigate us through this to a certain degree. And I'm sure like wading through some of the backstory behind this movie, but the backstory, as far as I recall it, is that um, Sam Raimi wants to make this a Sandman movie, and Sony wants Venom. Uh, and Sam Raimi does not want Venom and Sam Raimi loses that battle and Venom is in there, but so is Sandman. And now you also have to pay off the Harry Osborne is gobbling out. And so there's just, it, it is, uh, cue the song too many cooks. It's just, there's way too much happening in this movie. And I feel like it is, um, I don't think that it is fair to, to fully pin the blame on the Raimi. You know, I don't think that that's right. I don't think that for this to be like completely Sam Raimi's fault is I think that that's incorrect, Uh, especially because I think a lot of the things that this movie does do well are a clearly remnants of the movie he wanted to make. A lot of the Sandman stuff is good. There's a one piece of the Sandman thing that is very actively bad. The creation of Sandman scene is a great scene. There are, there oh, are. No, I, I will disagree with that. Oh, but it's amazing. Oh my God. This is great. I think, <laughs> I think it's a really, really good scene. Maybe, maybe not like him, like stepping into like the, 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 the whirly doodle. Uh, but him coming out is like beautifully okay. done. The music is incredible. Like that scene is, is spectacular. Uh, the, him going into it and then being like, Oh, there's a little more silicon mass. And there's like, ah, it's a bird. It's a bird. What? How are you <laughs> not here? Very bad. Just, what is your job? You know, very, very bad. I, I think that a lot of like um there there are some uh staggeringly awful action scenes in this movie but there are also some that are uh a lot better than you would think from this film i think um there are elements of this movie that i think are like hallmarks of sam raimi that sing through the the chaos um but there is just so much chaos and the thing that sucks the most is this question of like is it at least fun bad um, yeah. and some moments I think are more fun bad than others. Um, but then there's the stuff that is like the worst kind of bad and it's boring bad. And that's like the whole final act. The second that Venom gets introduced for the rest of the movie, it is. And, and really, I, I think like you can't say the jazz club scene is boring bad because like you are just like reeling and like, how dare they? Um, but like from the moment that Eddie Brock gets venomed up, it, the movie is just viciously boringly bad. And that is like the worst sin that this film uh, commits as far as I'm concerned. But to say that that's all Raimi as opposed to like, they threw so much into this, Kevin. Like, how could anyone have ever expected this movie to be anything other than what it became? Uh, you know, you're you're right. I'm not, I'm not going to throw everything at Raimi here. Like, obviously there were studio problems, right? Like demanding Venom. I do think some of the more... Like, yes, the movie's overloaded. The movie's overcrowded. And and that's not Raimi's fault. Um, I think, you know, uh, the other part that I actually don't think is his fault is the action. 
Um, there's one action scene that I think is really solid. Uh, and the rest of it is just a CG like cartoon fest. And I, I don't think that's his fault. I do think around the time period, you can point to a couple things where studios were just like, CG, it's the way of the future. We got to do everything CG now. Forget practical effects. And James Cameron's over there just like, <laughs> sure. Um, but like, that is what that felt like. Like, I felt like that's the studio. But the parts that are is his fault, I think, are a little more of the technical things. I think it is a long, strangely lingering, going on a little too long shots. I think it's some of the like kind of goofy humor taken a little too far to the extreme. So I do think it's like the worst of studio interference coupled with some of the worst parts of the raminess is what made this film not work. And I definitely agree with you. Actually, now you said it like during my live tweeting last night, like. There was parts I was like laughing and just I, I had something to say constantly. But like once the Venom part hits, like once Sofer Grace becomes Venom, it is boring. I didn't really have much to say until the very end. But like, yeah, it's just like there's not even stuff. It's the, na- the fact that it's so boring is the nail in the coffin that that, yeah. that, that last piece. So, do, you, do you agree oh. or disagree with that final act, Strunk? Um, so oddly enough, I found the final act again more enjoyable on the side. I think if you just get in the zone of knowing this is a bad movie and just join the the crazy ride of the um emo you know emo pete emo pete it can be enjoyable in like a cringe bad way not not a good bad it's still bad bad but there can be some enjoyability in the cringe bad of it i i i I guess a question i had for you though in in pushing back a little on, on your claim that it is i agree entirely that it's doing too much but question is it that there are too many new villains being introduced or is it that there's just too much thematically and plot wise going on? Because I thought that when I when I watched this, I wondered, you know, Captain America Civil War. Sure. They introduced Black Panther, Spider-Man, a complex like moral debate, and they nailed it. And I we think- have a lot of proof from the Marvel Cinematic Universe that uh, an issue does not like too many characters does not have to be a thing. Yes. You know, a yes. lot of characters can be an advantage. Yeah. Yeah. I think my, my take on it is that there was just no cohesive through line that, that made sense for these three. Right. And I think that my best charitable interpretation of the movie is that they really thematically wanted it to be about forgiveness and like Peter Parker was trying to forgive or needed to forgive the Sandman and Harry Osborne needed to forgive Peter. I think Venom just doesn't fit at all. Not at and all. And it's just, just a total contrivance. It makes sense that, the, that Sony just asked Raimi to put him in so it just plops out of space yeah but I feel like um, you, you could have though like right like I actually really like what you're saying here and I do think there is a thematic problem in that there's just too many themes that they're trying to hit and none of them really hitting well enough like especially with the Peter and MJ stuff going on there, there's a lot in there that I think doesn't create proper arcs doesn't create proper act structures but you could have had the event like I love that what you just said right like what if this was a movie about forgiveness and you have Peter and MJ that could tie into that. You have Harry and Peter absolutely could tie into it. Peter and Sandman can tie into it. Yeah, I don't think you should forgive them, but whatever. Um, but then you have Venom, which could tie into it because then you have like Peter needs to forgive Sandman. Peter, like Harry and P- needs to forgive Peter. MJ and Peter need to work it out. You could have Venom as the as the as the um uh, the, the the example of what happens when you don't forgive. Like if they worked on Eddie Brock more, if they worked on a, on, a, on, a, on a conflict between Eddie and Peter as as people and like Peter ruining Eddie's life or whatever and Eddie refusing to accept forgiveness or apology or anything like that. Then you have Venom. You see the end result of not forgiving. You see the end result of of retaining hate. 
that's thematic. You could have looped that in. And I feel like part of it isn't even that he didn't consider that. Like, cause I do think Raimi is probably a good enough storyteller to have thought of it, but was just so mad at having to include Venom. He was, was like, no. So, so that's a really great point because I was going to say, Kevin, to your, to your point about like, some of this is like an instance of like, uh, overindulged Sam Raimi. Is that what this is? Or is it like spite Sam? You know, is there, is there, is there like a degree to which that like, uh, that we are like, that this movie is like kind of like your parents fighting, you know, like this movie is kind of like, like a very uncomfortable argument that you have found yourself in the middle of turned into a very, very expensive failure. I, I don't think Sam Raimi is Larry David. I don't think he's opening a spite store. Like, I don't think that's <laughs> for people who have seen the most recent season of curb. I, I, I don't think that it's, it's a spite thing. I do think there are elements of it that Spider-Man. he, he was, man, Spider-Man. <laughs> so long, Spider-Man. Like, I, I do think there's elements, clearly. Like, I think the Venom stuff, for sure. But, like, I, I feel like it's so retroactively... It, it Like, it's like The Room, where once people acknowledge, like, oh, man, this is not good, it became all of a sudden, it's, like, purposefully not good. But it's like, no, Tommy Wiseau made what he thought was going to be a serious movie. He and put everything he ever parts. had into that. Right. And, like... I, I didn't, you know, nothing against the, I don't want to trash on Tommy Wiseau, which is a hilarious connection, though, because of the disaster artist and James Frank. Oh, but, right. Yeah. yeah. Hey. Um, but like, I, I do think, yes, there's some of that, but I do think there are things he, he was really. You would have been a good Harry Osborne. Yeah. Uh, Peter, you killed my dad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that world where that switch happens. Yeah. <laughs> I did not. How's I did. How was your coffee, Harry? Him, it's him so good. <laughs> What if he's Spider-Man? I did not kill him, Harry. I did not kill him. I didn't kill him, Harry. Harry. I did not. (laughs) Uh, what just happened? Where are we right now? I don't know. But I don't know. I don't, I don't subscribe to the idea that this was, this was purposefully done as parody. I think, I think a lot of it he was trying to be. That's total revisionist history. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's so much that so much as like, you get, you get, have you, have you ever gotten mad before? Sometimes you get mad. And when you get mad, like you find yourself doing mad things. And I, and I think that like some of that, like, I think, I think that this was like a toxic movie. I think that, and when, when I say it's a toxic movie, I literally mean like this, this was like this whole thing had poison in its veins. Like there was, there was just, I think because of like the conflicting visions, because I, I think you can see your, your point strong, I think is really good. This idea of forgiveness is, is very clearly like on the thematic brain. When it comes to both Sandman and and the Goblin, uh, the the Harry Goblin, uh, not the Harry Goblin, um, and none of that goes to Venom because that character just was not considered for the initial conception of what this was going to be, and you have you have to like merge that into some of this other stuff that ends up happening over the course of the movie, and uh, I I can imagine like if it were me, uh, and I can also imagine if it were Kevin <laughs> that like the like the the studio note of like you got to do this would inflame you and so like whether or not it's like take this sony i don't think it's that necessarily but like i think like putting you into like much like the 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 spider-man suit in this movie much like the symbiote like turns you into like a darker version of yourself i think that the presence of venom put like a darker spin on the creation of this movie. It's not as fun. It's not as like, it's when, when it's goofy, it's kind of mean sometimes like there isn't that like, um, 
there, the sweetness of the first two movies is is pretty much eradicated. Not completely. It's there with with Harry Osborn in a lot of ways until it's very much not, and he just becomes Trashman. Um, but like, I know you love the omelet scenes, Trunk. Like that's a sweet I, yeah. scene. Like there yeah. there are some sweet scenes in the movie, but there is a lot that is just like both like very like angry and incompetently. Uh, like incomprehensible rage in and, in the creation of it, and I'd go I'd go even further with Venom to say it's not just that Venom didn't really fit the theme of forgiveness. It, it's Venom is like directly contrary to the theme in that when Peter, you know, has the Venom suit on, he's not his true self. He loses his ability to make you know he's not as morally culpable. Basically, he loses a degree of free will. And if forgiveness is about a choice, you know, you're choosing out of your own free will to forgive someone or not, then Venom is is directly contrary to the direction and the challenge that Peter needs to face in terms of choosing whether he's going to forgive Sandman or not. I don't know if I'm totally going down my own like rabbit hole of what I thought this movie could be, um, but or, or reading too much into it. But that's kind of my my take as to how Venom just like directly contradicts uh, what what Raimi, I thought, was trying to, to actually do. Yeah, and and I, I agree with that. But like, even if we like, and here's the thing, right? Like, we can we can consider the split, and I get what you're saying, Josh. But it's hard to judge that. Like, if we, let let's let's almost separate this in, into pieces here. Right? Yeah. Like, let's 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 literally separate Venom for a moment. And like, oh, it's gonna be hard. Do you guys okay. got any bells? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Where's Rob? On me? We need Rob. <laughs> He's got the bell. Um, but like, okay, taking that aspect out, and I do. There's a lot with the Venom stuff, like the Eddie Brock thing. I don't think works. I I don't. Ugh, th- there's a teeth. lot of problems I have. Those teeth, Kevin. It's so weird. Yeah, Why did they that, do that? the, the it teeth creep me out. To, I hate it. Also, I looked real close on the rewatch. If you zoom in right before he jumps in to like catch the the Venom and the ball explodes and kills him, his teeth return to normal in between. I hate it. Yeah, I hate everything yeah. about that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, like the, the all that is, is is doesn't make much sense. I don't think they did a lot with Eddie Brock to develop him as as a proper character, which again could very well be because he just is like I don't I didn't want to do this, so I'm not putting a lot of effort into it. But even beyond that, there's things that didn't really work or make sense, like logically. Like it's it's so little, but like when he gets the suit, the idea of bringing out the darkness in him, he has it it suffers the same thing this this movie and this series has always done which is why i do throw it to like this is just a ramiism and it's always been bad where it's it's a movie that like tells you but doesn't actually show you like he shows up in the suit and he's just like oh this feels good but like they do nothing to show why the venom suit is any different or gives him any more ability or or betterness than than the spidey suit like he's not immediately lifting things heavier he's not like flying higher further faster there's nothing in there he's just saying that then all of a sudden he's at kurt connor's place and is just like here's a piece of the symbiote which also how did he get that when we saw it he was just wearing a suit how did he know it could separate into little pieces like that he never saw that happen but anyway that's again minuscule but like even those parts of it i think doesn't work but that part of it does tie into the sandman thing because that is the impetus to make him go after Sandman is the Venom suit. So it, it is really hard to separate him out, but doing so, the Harry stuff and the Sandman stuff is also not good. And I think that's what we like. If we want to focus on that, like Sam Raimi is concentrating on Sandman and Harry, that stuff is not good, at least plot and structure. I think there's performances that are good, 
it, you know, Thomas Hayden Church is fine. This is a, a, a visual aid for everybody. Like, Strunk and I are just like nodding along to Kevin right <laughs> yeah. now. We're like, yes, continue. Yeah. But like the the Harry stuff, as great as honestly James Franco is, especially when he has amnesia, and even when he doesn't have amnesia, he's so ridiculous. He's really channeling. channeling he's he's Defoe. he's got big yeah. Willem Dafoe energy. Yeah, and and it's great, and he's doing his best. But the plot of him and his plan, none of that makes sense. Also, on a side no. note, on a complete side note, where the hell was this Harry? If this was the Harry that was in that first movie. We'd have been like, yeah, this Harry's great. We would have cared a lot more. There, like, for some reason, like, I think it, he he plays that like goofy, yeah, rich young boy charm, like just playing basketball, like a like a weirdo who doesn't give a crap about the expensive stuff in his house. Um, or just like, happening upon MJ eating cotton candy, eating, eating <laughs> cotton candy. Like when they cut to him and he's just painting still life. Like what? Yeah. Like it's insane. And you know, Strunk, you are right. Like the omelet scene is a good part as far as the characterization of like. Where was this Harry? If this Harry was around from like movie one, I think we would have cared so much more yeah. about this character, his journey and like him and Peter. But instead, like they, I don't know how they didn't think about doing any of this or, or to find this character in this way until this point. Like it's super weird, but yeah, even yeah, just neither parts of those things work. And that's the biggest issue. I think it's just, it doesn't work structurally at all. The The plot makes no sense. Yeah. Um, I think so to, to move, cause I totally agree with that about, about Harry, um, about Sandman. Mm-hmm. I think like it's pretty to me and there, there may be some disagreement. I, I think that the scene and I was, I was really taken aback by it watching cause I did not remember the scene of him emerging from the sand for the first time. Uh, and like the way it's scored and like, it's just, it's, it's a really well done scene in this idea of, um, like being like, detached from your own body all of a sudden uh, is very powerful and it's been powerfully done in, in many different stories across many different media, whether it's the invisible man or whatever, like, you know, I think like it's a, it's a powerful story. And if it's, if it's well told, um, you know, both in terms of like the actual writing, but also like cinematically, I think it could be really special. And that scene is really special. And then I, I, I do think that there's just like, they forget about him. Like he gets like thrown into like the mud and he becomes mud and he gets washed away and he's just gone until Venom needs a buddy. And so like, there's no real story with that character, except for the fact that the story is that apparently this guy killed uncle Ben and Mm -hmm. it is, it is such an unfortunate choice. It is such an unfortunate choice because if we are still talking about performance, I think you can say performance is the highlight of the Harry Osborne character. Um, it's not, I, I mean, maybe it's the highlight of the Topher Grace character, but that is really, uh, pretty, pretty hard pass on Eddie Brock then, because if that's what we're saying is like the high point, then yikes. Um, but for, for Sandman, the, the casting of Thomas Hayden Church is incredible. Uh, he looks the part. He looks so great. He looks like a comic book character come to life, whether it's the shirt, it's just like the whole aesthetic. He's got like sort of like this sad bruiser mopey thing going on that's really, really good. And they just completely unnecessarily muck him up with mythology. And one of the, one of the observations that I had watching, um, the fight scene with him and black suit Spider-Man in, uh, like the train station and everything was that like, wow, this is actually a pretty exciting fight scene. Like I actually think on a technical level, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Like it's vicious. It's another instance where like 
Um, a, another smart Raimi move is like dropping out the music and you're just like hearing, uh, like the, the sound of like, you know, fists slamming into Sandy body. Like it, it was really intense and, and, and really well choreographed. And then the second that you stop to think about like the story engine that it's running on, the whole thing breaks. Um, because it's just so completely ridiculous that the reason that Peter is here is because Sandman killed his uncle and also because he is fueled by like this vengeance machine that he's wearing on his body, this alien object, like all of it, just like it doesn't play well together at all. It is like when sand hits water and turns to mud and washes away, like it's just disastrous and it's, it's a real shame. And I think that that falls apart because of all of the other ways in which it has to interact with the other components of the movie. That's the thing. And I think that you touched on this drunk is that like, it's less about that. There are too many characters in this movie and much more to me that like the ideas behind the characters, what the characters represent are incompatible or at least were not put together in any kind of compatible way. Yeah. Um, Quick question though. I have, I just have to get this. Uh, out of my head because I, ke- I keep remembering the phrase like demolecular. Mil- I can't even pronounce demolecularization. It. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm like Bryce Isaiah. Um, yeah. Demolecularization. What were they? I I totally credit that it was a beautiful scene. I will mea culpa. I was wrong about the totality of the Sandman origin being bad. But to me, the the only the only you know. Um, hang up I had was like, what were they doing with uh, That's actually a real question. good question. It's a As you're asking question. that, I'm like, what were they doing? What was their what was their yeah, experiment? They, like what were they trying to but, accomplish? But I guess if you look beyond that, the great question. totally agreed. The the music was, got was the beautiful. Laser. What should we do with it? I don't know. Shoot a pile of sand. <laughs> <laughs> um no, but I, I I do I I agree with you that Sandman was a missed opportunity. I, I wish they'd not done the Uncle Ben thing. But given that they made that choice, and it, and again, it kind of plays in this idea of forgiveness or like setting up, does, is Peter going to choose to act vengeful or is he going to choose to forgive this person? Um, Kevin, we can debate whether he should or not. Um, but if you're going to do that, like introduce it way earlier than you did. I think it was like 30 minute mark or 40 minute mark that they is found that maybe even later it's about an hour. Cause, yeah. cause I, I did like note the time codes on like where I was with enjoying the movie. Uh, 49 minutes is around the time that uh, Peter uh, kisses Gwen Stacy in front of everybody. And I hate okay. that. I hate that. I hate that so much. Uh, and so that I, I despise you that. You didn't moment. even like the little kid who was like, no, don't no, do I, I hate the whole thing. I think it's terrible. I think like okay. what they're going for with Spider-Man in that moment really didn't need that. I thought it was really bad. Uh, so that was like the first like enormous sin of the movie for me on the watching it. Like up until that moment, there was like probably a few things I was just like, I could take or leave, but I was mostly enjoying myself. And then that happened. It's like, Peter, you're just being such a total like you're not just a goober you're a dick uh and so that was that was really tough for me to get over uh and then it was probably it's somewhere between that 49 minute mark and an hour six uh i think an hour six somewhere in there is where uh we find out that sandman where where uh james cromwell who is in this movie for some reason uh that'll do spider that'll do you know he he's like so guess what uh got some news you know, uh, your, your Uncle Ben, yeah, the guy who killed him isn't the guy who killed him. And uh, there's really no good reason for us to tell you this right now, but here you go. Uh, yeah. So that happens like an hour into the movie. 
at the yeah, and, at the least. And compare that to Spider-Man 2, where the, the primary like moral quandary he was grappling with the whole movie was whether or not he should give up, you know, the mantle of Spider-Man because it was interfering so much with his personal life and whether he should pursue the happy, you know, existence with Mary Jane and whatnot. Like that was front and center from the very beginning of the movie. Whereas this, if this was going to be like the big challenge Peter faced, it's bizarre to have it at a minute or at an hour in when there's only an hour of the movie left. It's that not would be- even the big challenge he faces. He's, he deals with it and then it's done and he's not yeah. even like really dwelling on it anymore. Until well, it should be the moral challenge, though, like what you like, what Professor Trunk is saying, it's 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 called storytelling, and they did it well in Spider Man One or Spider, yeah, fine in Spider Man One, but Spider Man Two, and they failed miserably here, like for so many reasons. And to me, there's just there's just so much. I, I will say, you know, to, to 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 chime in, I I agree. I went in remembering that the Sandman transformation scene. I was like, God, it goes on forever, but actually. It did it. It's the one instance where I was just like, "Oh, actually, this doesn't go on like too long. It's actually really well done. I actually, I actually like this transformation scene. It's really good. The score is great. I didn't have a lot of complaints in the actual when he becomes Sandman. The previous with the bird, that's all stupid. But the other thing beyond that, right? Beard. Every <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, uh, as uh, you know, doing the Uncle Ben thing. There's one. Uh, you know what? Hang on, sorry. I'm trying to gather my thoughts. They're flying so hard. There's too much in the movie. How this are you is, supposed this to is know really cool to, talk to, see, about? to like, see Kevin's I mean, anger on on the, the screen. The fact that, <laughs> what, when when like speaking of things too long, when Peter finds out that it, it was Sandman, that weird fantasy sequence where he's imagining that it's that it's that it's Sandman that did it goes on forever and For then flashing time. back to his like yeah. ridiculous Toby face. Then then same thing when he's having the nightmares as as and transforming into the black suit goes on forever. But also. Why are they telling them this now, Josh? That's a good question. Why two years later is this information being told? How is it not told before? He was in jail for two years. Did he go to jail for something else? This is still information that would have been processed in any sort of case that would have happened. They would have been called. They would have been told. If there was a trial, they would have been there. There's just so many things that's so dumb about the the logistics of it. And that's just that part, right? Doesn't make sense even on a story level, especially then at the end for him to go the entire movie before finally going just like, actually, here's what really happened. Like, why didn't you say that hours ago? You should have just said it, man. Just you should have told us. Well, this is the problem with this movie. Also, the main problem with this movie from every single plot point, from every conflict that exists, it only exists because for plot because the movie has to happen people don't talk to each other no one actually says the thing that they should say and that's not writing that's just that's bad writing that's contrivance it's crap and it happens the entire movie but to the uncle ben point i think the thing that hits us the most about it is because it, it breaks the logic of what the character is and you can't there's certain things with every single character, especially superheroes who've been around for so long, that are the core parts of the character. You can't change it because it really fundamentally affects not just who the character is, but how that character is represented for all of us. It's like finding out that Batman's parents weren't killed in an alleyway by like a mugger, that they were actually on a plane and they crashed. Like you're like, what are you talking about? Why? Like when people talk about like, you're going to find out the real reason Krypton is destroyed. Why? It was a thing where the, the, someone said, like, hey, it was global warming. They said, like, hey, guys, science. And people went, no, no way. Like, that's that's it. That's all you need. You don't even need that. Just Krypton exploded. You don't have to change that. You don't have to, like, muck up these 
fundamental linchpin moments to what a character is. And by doing that with Uncle Ben's story, it absolutely fundamentally changes so much about what Spider-Man is and that moment of his life, that defining moment. So to make that choice is also just a fundamental misunderstanding of the character, of comics, of what these characters mean to people. Like, So it's just offensive on so many levels. And that's especially why the Sandman stuff doesn't work, which doesn't even get into like, oh man, his his daughter and like, he just needed money, She's and I'm like, cute. I get that. I like her. I, like like her. I, I think that's I think that's fine, but they didn't they didn't they didn't expand on that enough because it was overbloated, sure, but like they didn't really hone in on those parts of it. Like when they redefined Mister Freeze to make it that it was his wife that was dying, and like everything he was doing was because of that. That really changed the character, but that also was the biggest concentration about what that character is and like what he was doing, and so many of it. Sandman spoke like four words, and you don't have. That, that 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 element being built into him in a way that really like emphasizes and makes us feel for the character in what they're trying to do it's just it's so problematic for so many reasons also what, what like I, I i someone responded on twitter but like who has lockets like i don't know man i've seen 30 <laughs> years of movies and everyone has lockets with pictures in it and i'm like i haven't seen a locket in like 30 years i think my mom had one when i was like four. Or maybe people trying- just like don't trust you enough to show the show you their lockets because they know that you're gonna know. have this kind of reaction i'm it's not speaking those, for like, myself or anything but yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those silly movie things that like you you know these exist we're just locket like, where, shaming kevin where'd that come from it's the same thing where in movies where guys have no idea how to tie a tie you know if like, strunk has a locket right now you can you know be really i offending professor strunk at this moment to be fair i don't have a locket but i was trying to think of a christmas gift for my girlfriend for the longest time and i and think Kevin thinking just gave about it to me. a locket and look at what you just did <laughs> why are you doing this to me guys why are you doing this? you did it to yourself to be completely honest it's um, it's it's just like someone put it into a movie once and everyone picked it up like i was saying that the the guys don't know how to tie a tie but the girlfriend does why i have met like i don't like why the holidays this year kevin should that? we pick one lucky everything is super listener to send them a locket with you and me in the locket <laughs> um i have to pick the pictures though okay cool all right uh <laughs> uh right into super at postshowrecaps.com saying i want the locket and we will give it to the what numbers person to have sent that message in kevin I don't know how many people do you think we're emailing. I don't know. I don't know. Do it's a, a good question. Uh, do a lost number. Uh, lost number. Fifteenth. Uh, the fifteenth yeah. person to to send in in the subject of the email. I want the locket. That's what it has to say. Nothing else. Nothing in the body. Just the subject line is I want the locket. The fifteenth person to send us that one. We'll reach out to you and we'll get you a locket with <laughs> Kevin in my face in it. <laughs> And years from now, when I break out of prison after killing Josh. <laughs> uh, as Professor Strunk prepares 15 alternate email addresses <laughs> and sends all of those emails tonight. Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, Kevin, I'm going to make you mad. I connected more with Sandman with, than with Dr. Octopus, though. That's insanity! Oh, wow. Based oh, on I love what? It. And there's also no resolution. Performance. What was the end? I'm with Josh on this one. Performance. 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 What performance? He spoke five words. Uh, Thomas Hayden Church has this mopey thing that just like the way that he looks conveys a lifetime of pain and bad decisions that have caused him to make bad choices that have turned him into a (laughs) demolacular man of sand. Uh, And 
I'm not going to rank him higher than Dr. Octopus. Don't worry. I'm not going to do that because like they botch him in the story. And like the story of Doc Ock and Spidey 2 is definitely better. No question. But just on pure performance alone, yeah, give, give me Thomas Hayden Church as the Sandman. Um, wait, performance isn't like the performance of the actor? As the Sandman, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay, I was with you See, in terms thank of... You. Uh, yeah. thank sorry, you. I, I was definitely with you in terms of like relating more to Sandman, but I wouldn't say that the performance of Thomas Hayden Church was Well, you know what? Than, I would, uh, and I did. And I okay. said it, and I'll say it again. For me, I, fe- I've, I felt uh, more connected to Thomas Hayden Church's The Sandman than I did to Alfred Molina's Dr. Octopus. I should also say at this point in time that since we've podcast about Spider-Man 2, there have been like rumors flying around that Alfred Molina is going to be back as Doc Ock. Oh, I would uh, love that. I think that I'm fine with that. Whether or not that's real or those are just like rumors that are flying around uh, is, is, you know, this is the world we live in. So who knows? I will, I will say that my heart is open to a reprise. And also it makes me very happy to know that a lot of people would be very happy by that. Um, so, uh, if that's the way they want to go, that's great. My preference would be to go another way. Uh, but if that's not what's going to happen, then I just want everyone else who loves that character and actor to be happy. So good for you. Good for all of you. But Thomas Hayden Church is the Sandman. Like that guy. Thank you. I think he's great. He doesn't even have a resolution, man. Like, like it's one thing where it's just like I forgive you, and then he like floats away. Yeah, but I love his little like, sad face, his sad face, and with all like the little craggly notes of his face as he's got the single tear, and then he like uh, Mitch Connor and South Park fades away into the sand and the wind. I thought it was good, but then you wrap that up. You you have to show a scene at the end of him going and reuniting with his daughter, something to end that storyline. And so you just get nothing. You just get him being like, "Okay, bye." Which is why the daughter thing doesn't work. Because, like, if that is his motivation, is that is the key thing, if that is the thing that's compelling him to do what he did and do the terrible acts he did, that has to be the ending then. That has to be his last moment, is reuniting with his daughter or doing something connected back to that storyline. Or else, once again, it's bad storytelling. And, like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, what were they even doing? And again, like, forgive this or not, it's weird that his entire argument is that I accidentally murdered someone. Yeah. And that's better. Like, it's just like, okay, I guess that's better, sure. But, like, how is that your argument here? Like, it was an accident. I was committing it, armed uh, well, uh, it also doesn't make much sense because it's very hard. I, I'm not the expert on this, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's very hard for your finger to slip on a trigger of a of a gun. Um, yeah. It, yeah you it, need ain't, that. it ain't easy. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's very difficult. And things um, heavy. It's heavy. The gun or, or, or there's a trigger because it, it, <laughs> this is all of it's very heavy. This whole concept. Has, Josh, have you, have you held a gun before? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> uh, Kevin, I, I wanted to follow up, though, on a on something you said. I'm curious. The the point you made about Uncle Ben's killer being Sandman being totally contrary to the Spider-Man story. Is that because I want to make sure I understand this because I, I've heard this before, but I've never heard it like crystallized. Is that because it takes away from Peter's story that his choice not to intervene when the guy runs into the elevator becomes like not the action that led to Uncle Ben being killed? That's the yes. that's OK. I understand that. that. that that's that's okay. it. Right. That's the great mm-hmm. power, great responsibility. As much as yeah. I have debated that moment now in, in, in retrospect uh, after watching uh, Spider-Man 1, just because. The, just both those options sucked. Um, um, 
that is a fundamental moment to change that to now be like, oh, well, that's not fully what happened. But then also at the end, make it sort of what happened is even weirder. Um, so like you just mucked it for mucking sake, um, which is nonsense. And like, that's the things you can't change. You, th- there's elements that define who the character is like Batman. Batman's parents has to be, have to be killed in crime alley by a mug. Like that's the thing, whether it's Joe chill or not, whether it's mm-hmm. Joker or not, if you're going by Batman, like, those are minor details, but the act of it being that, the act of it, you know, them being killed by the senseless act of violence, that's key to Batman. And Why does that have to be an alley? Uh, good good question. Does it have because, to be Zorro, too? Because it's in the darkness of the area that this happened, hence his mm-hmm. like stance of being and having to live in the dark and fight against the dark. Is there not I mean, another like, dark place that, that it that could happen, like work. a basement? What would they be doing in a basement? I don't well, know. This, Maybe they this, just got to the basement. This is—it's this, interesting. It's—it's it's interesting so to consider what are um. <laughs> it's interesting to consider what are the fundamental aspects of an origin story because you could say, you know, Josh, you brought up the alley, which is funny to consider it being in a basement. But you know, Iron Man was a Vietnam. From what I recall, like the origin of Iron Man was during the Vietnam War. They updated that very well in Iron Man to be the Iraq War. But yet, to Kevin's point, they kept the fundamentals there as to what the kind of um you know moral impetus of the or of the origin was so uh yeah and those are those are the key things um and so like there's so many reasons for me why that sandman part doesn't work which doesn't even touch on and we should probably talk about it now the other part of the movie which as much as i dislike venom as much as i dislike the sandman stuff the peter mj and harry stuff oh yeah so bad and and gwen it's a quadrangle it's, it's like, yeah. It well, then is. you also have to add uh, uh, Eddie into that. So it's a, it's a sort of win. right. But uh, of all the things they did, I uh, I don't know if I appreciated, but I I kind of like that they did. Like, oh, Eddie's just a Looney Tune. Like they went, out, they got coffee once. He's really not involved in it. It's just that his weird obsession, which is yeah, an interesting choice. Um, because otherwise, by the way, when I was first watching, I forgot about the twist. Like as as it was happening, he shows up and is like, "Oh man, that's Gwen. That's my girlfriend." And I'm yeah. like, "Man, you're really yeah. cavalier about the fact that your girlfriend is dangling from that like that that building. Like it doesn't even matter to you." He's a sociopath. He's a bad guy. Right. So now that they the, once they established that, I, I remember the twist like halfway, and I was like, "Oh, not, or halfway into that scene, where I was like, oh wait, that was what it was." Um, so I can appreciate those elements, but. The, the Gwen part is also so t- tangential, which is so awful because they introduce Gwen Stacy and she's literally just a prop. And Mary Jane, for most of these things, are, is just a prop. Yeah. She's literally a third act. You, you'd think that New York would catch on to the fact that she's been caught like three times, four really? times. Yeah, I know, right? of time. like, it's always the same person being a protective detail at all times. <laughs> <laughs> but like it, it, Gwen is just there as a prop to it. Really, it is the Harry MJ Peter stuff that that that's that's like the thrust of that, and it's really bad. The I we'll, we'll talk about the omelet scene because, like, honestly, though, what's nuts is that the Harry and MJ stuff when he has amnesia is not that bad. It's actually mm-hmm. pretty good. Like, I could I could get along with that up until she kisses him, mind you. But all that stuff was fine and like uh, it, it, it humanized harry in a weird way but then like literally after that he turns evil and boy oh boy does it get real dumb but that doesn't even that doesn't even touch on the drop the drama the drama this is worse than the cw and like the cw you like the cw i love the cw and to have it be this bad shows just how bad they're doing it like it's 
it's so awful. It's so awful. At least the CW, half the time, they try a little bit to make the drama somewhat make sense. And in here, it's all stupid. Every every reason everyone's mad, except MJ at first, A+, plus, that they've stuck with it properly, A+. Plus. But then it just becomes dumber and dumber as it goes. Like, I legit... But again, at the start, things were okay in this movie. And I remember, like, it could have been better. Like, I get it. Like, Peter is a total jerk. Like, she's going through some rough stuff. She could have... No, I'm not even... You know what? Screw that. I'm not going to defend Peter. She was fine. Like, Peter should have been a better boyfriend. Peter should have talked to her more. Peter should have asked, like, what's wrong? What's going on? Really Peter should have asked, like, if I'm going to go and be part of the Spider-Man parade, is it okay if, like, I kiss someone there because I think people will like it? It'll be good for PR and you're my girlfriend and I should clear that with you? Especially because yeah, we do it I mean, publicly. That's that's a debatable thing. That that's the whole thing. You know my feeling about the upside down kiss in the first one, and so at a certain point, you're just like, well, There's, I guess everybody gets, but everybody gets one. They're like a, a heartbeat away from getting engaged now, Kevin. A lot has changed since then. You have to consider the circumstances. Together for a while as well. In the I don't first think that movie. there's any debate that what Spider Man does here is trash. It's it's trash. not good. It's, it's it's total trash. I agree. Like, it's a it's very trash, shitty thing to do to your girlfriend. It is, but honestly, she's already like, carrying this huge secret that my boyfriend is Spider Man, and I can't tell anyone so that his life can get saved. And now he's just being cock of the walk Spider Man, and he's making out with people publicly, and he hasn't even talked to me about that. That's sure, some serious advantage takeage. I actually, I put that a second though. Like honestly, the way he was treating her when she was like having like actual problems with with her job, with her like 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 actual like close to depression and like not understanding what's going on with like direction in life and the fact that he basically blew it off because he centered on himself that is way worse than like the kiss for the public it's cherry on top type stuff it's cherry on top but that's that's the other thing about like bad drama writing is that they focused on like oh it's the kiss and it just becomes a debate of like were they on a break like and so much of that is is terrible as like why is that the debate factor like that's not the focus of like what was bad which by the way as has been brought to my attention because my girlfriend and I have talked about this quite often. Um, the we're on a break thing is also something that has been blown out incorrectly because whether or not they're on a break was never the issue that occurred in the original instance. It was the fact that yes, they were on a break. You talking then friends Ross, now? Yeah, yeah okay. but then Ross slept with someone I just needed immediately. To track that. Needed yes. a minute. He slept with someone immediately, and Rachel didn't want to get back with him after that, and she has that right. That's that's her right. And so, like the debate becoming like were they on a break or not? Therefore, she should get back with him is a nonsense part of it that has like warped in the weird perception. So I feel like in the same way, concentrating the idea that Mary Jane is actually really upset because of the kiss is like, that's really ignoring the really worst stuff that Peter did to her versus the like, Oh, she's just a girl who got mad over a kiss. And it's just like, no, that's not the focus of this though. That shouldn't be. The thing I, the thing I found most annoying about all this is that they're, they were scared to just have the relationship seemingly progress. Um, beyond where it was in Spider-Man 1 and Spider-Man 2. They they always needed to have some form of tension or love triangle, will they, won't they, between MJ. And I, I question for Kevin and, and Wiggler to the extent that you have outside expertise on this, but from what I've read in the ultimate uh, Marvel line of comics, they introduced Miles Morales and they introduced other characters because the OG Peter Parker had like, progress into happy married life and the readers found that boring. Do you think that influenced this decision where it's like, I would have loved a Spider-Man three that was set 15 years later. Maybe they would have actually, actually, you know, been the right age in, in the movie. And it's like, you know, exploring 
um, married life as Spider-Man and whatnot. If they bring, but I, if they bring Toby back, if you know, like, if all of, like this multiversal stuff starts panning out, and they bring Toby back, then I hope they bring Kirsten Dunst back too, and I hope that Peter and MJ are just like rock solidly, just like totally good. And yeah. with, with zero drama in their relationship. Yeah, agreed. I would love that too. I think it's such a like trite thing to do in storytelling these days, especially when you introduce drama badly. Like it's like they, they want drama in relationships, but the writers never really focus in on like what drama makes sense, like what relationship problems actually make sense in either that like, maybe they never had them or like they just never been in relationships. I don't even know. Like it, it's, it's, never done well in comics unfortunately and it's not done well translated here i would love a rock solid relationship um <laughs> professor strug you are mixing universes in a way um the ultimate universe miles Morales was introduced because peter park actually died um oh, okay. so that's how miles shows up but it's really interesting because in the ultimate universe peter and mj do have issues but like she finds out he's spider-man super quick um, what what the part that you're talking about though is that there was a massive argument and 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 shift in Spider-Man in the regular universe where he had been married for so long and people thought that the marriage was stagnant and like it was boring and you couldn't do as much. Person, so they decided to, person thought that. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to call it out. A person yeah. who actually coincidentally, bizarrely, went through a divorce around the same time. Um, oh, interesting. Made, made, okay. <laughs> um, uh, made, made, you know that that call was made. The things were changed. All that happened, and so they, they wanted to get rid of the marriage because they found it boring. Um, but so they to sold me, their, just, their souls to the devil to erase their marriage. I mean, right? This is yeah, the this literally. is the, the the comic that you have a, a seething hatred for, if I recall. I do, I do. Yes. I really don't like it. It's it's because it's silly and it's nonsense. And to me, it's just like just because you can't write people in a relationship doesn't mean the relationship's mm. bad. It just means you can't write relationships. Like I, it, the one thing I will say about Parks and Rec about many things because I goddamn love love that series Mm -hmm. is that they showed you you can have people be in a relationship you can have multiple people be in loving caring relationships in a show and it can still be entertaining it can still be fun you can still tell good stories about it and like this conceit in the past of just like if a person's relationship is boring is nonsense it just means that you don't know how to write a relationship that's it so yeah preach and that's what yeah i invite you into my marriage i can tell you how exhilarating it is while also being mundane uh (laughs) these things are possible and it can be dramatized and uh i don't know like i don't know i i think that this is uh the the way that they we talked about this last week this idea that like the entirety of the Peter and MJ arc in Spider-Man two is just the very next scene of the end of the first Spider-Man essentially like just drawn out over the course of the whole movie. Um, and so now they finally get us there and like the beginning stages of their relationship, I think is, is actually really good in, in this movie where it's like, they're, they're much more on board with each other. And like, I would have loved to have just had that be like flatly it. There, there can be other things that they are independently dealing with. And then, you know, great team ups can be born out of that with like Peter and MJ, like fighting their respective demons back to back. Uh, that would be great. Yeah. That's, there's, there's great stuff in that. Just do that. You could show them making omelets together on a Saturday morning. Yeah. The incredible scene. It'd be very good. The omelet scene I do, I do enjoy. Especially because yeah. Harry's bullshit at making omelets was good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we talked about this in, in the Discord briefly. It was the one moment I hopped in, but let's just, it does make sense to me that he would not be good at making omelet or food because Bernard is probably making all his food for him. So, um, like, I love the idea that he's just not good at it at all. Yeah. Um, especially flipping omelets. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Um, so I've got a bunch of feedback. Let's start getting into that. That'll help guide us through uh, to the to the end game. And if we've got anything still hanging by the end, uh, we can we can pick that all up. Um, so uh, the great Riley was watching this with me in the Discord and sent me one of his classic Riley essays while we were wrapping up. So this is what Riley said. And Riley, keep in mind, is such a huge fan of the, these first two Spider-Man movies. Um, Riley I'm a fan said, of Riley's right, uh, writing, by the way. Just throwing it out there. Lo- love it, Riley. Riley, you got a fan. Professor Strunk. Um, so Riley writes in, prolific member of the Discord, Riley writes in and says uh, that while I still have nostalgia for this movie because I was 11 when it came out, this movie can't hold up to that nostalgia like the first two. It's a flawed film, but there's a great good movie in here, but they squander it. They focus on sand. If they focused on the Sandman and the symbiote only and build to new goblin and venom in the next movie, maybe this ends up being a great movie. Harry's fantastic in this movie in a very Willem Dafoe way. He's so bad. It's good. He's having a blast and I have fun watching every single scene with Harry in it. Harry and Peter also appear like better friends in this movie when Harry's an amnesiac. They actually made me feel like they're friends. That's to your point from the past couple weeks, Kevin, potentially. Uh, I see him shaking in his seat. Uh, so he says, sort of. uh, I, I do think the action in this movie is spectacular. The Sandman's first fight, the fight in the sewers, are uh, both of those are insanely good. The crane scene is classic Spider-Man and great. And the fight with Harry in the apartment is really fun. The Sandman birth scene is one of the best scenes in the entire trilogy. The black suit Spider-Man is incredible. The look, the design, the way he acts in costume is fantastic. I want to actually put a pin in that because we yeah. haven't really talked about the the black suit Spider-Man aspect of it. Um, I'm a fan. I like the black suit. I think it looks cool. Hmm. I, I don't. I think it's because they kept this like it really was just the same suit, but just black now. And yeah. I think it just doesn't, I don't know, it just didn't work for me because of that. Like, I think if they, you know, in, in, in the actual Spider-Man stuff, like, he loses the lines on the costume and it changes out to more, like, all black and, and, and the white spider and stuff like that. And I think it works well. I think just from a design standpoint and a color standpoint is where it bumps against me. Like, I, I like the, I, so I wasn't as into it um, because of that. Like, it's, it's such a weird thing, but it, it, I think it's absolutely personal taste here. But, like, the design didn't work because they literally just turn the whole thing black yeah, I think you, you, yeah you need to shift some stuff i'm with i'm with kevin on this one i think it was just a bit too easy to just transform the one thing i will say though is i enjoyed the bell ringing creepiness of the like tendrils that's the one part of the suit that i that i enjoyed because it just kind of skeeved me out a little bit um 
but and I, I thought it was well done. But other I than that, the symbiote was like running around his apartment like thing from uh, oh yeah, family. I thought was pretty good. Uh, Riley has a lot more to say, including dragging uh, Bernard, uh, the true villain of the Spider-Man trilogy. Really? Do I have to Guys. be a Bernard defender? Yeah. Dude, well, he knew this, this for let's how long? Let's how long there. did he know this? How long did Bernard? He could have solved so many problems. Not only did that old man just keep this ridiculous. <laughs> Ever. Also, it's his reveal makes no sense. We, the whole thing was just like, oh yes, it, it was killed by his own glider. Therefore, he must have done it himself. No, he could. That, that doesn't mean anything. Are you kidding me? Like Spider Man could have thrown it at him. There's so many ways it could have gone that he could have died from his glider. That doesn't necessarily mean that he did it to himself. And again, you knew this for how long? How did so, you notice? How do you know what the glider is designed like? What? I have so many questions about you, old man. So it was bad, but I will. I will argue that he's holding was, it down. This was good. Bad. This is like the if you. If you realize at this point, it's like, you know, two hours into the movie or whatever, they're about to have their final battle and you're just along for the ride and realize it's it's not, you know, going to be Spider-Man 2 level of awesomeness. Then you can appreciate the the good, bad nature of uh, Bernard just like totally. What's the phrase? I always mispronounce it. The Deutschex Machina or whatever. Deutschex Machina of everything coming in and spilling the beans about about Norman Osborn. I liked it on that level. The Deutsche Ex Machina might be something coming for someone else. Uh, so uh, Riley continues and says, I, I love and hate so much of this movie. I grew up loving it because I was a dumb kid. And coming back to it now, I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> part of the reason I hate it is because there's so much good in that first hour. There are flashes of Raimi brilliance in it. There is a good movie hidden in this terrible, terrible movie. I wish I could like this movie like I did when I was younger, but it sucks. But it's still better than the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Um, we'll test that. We'll stress test that pretty soon. Yeah, we're about to find out. I don't know. I don't know that. I I think this might be worse. I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I guess like at least this is kind of like going for something, and then we have to wonder: Is the Amazing Spider-Man stuff is it go, is it gone for anything? Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Zach Brooks wrote money. Oh, that's what she said. Zach Brooks yeah. wrote it and said, there's a much better movie in here. Either get rid of everything Sandman or make this two movies with Brock getting Venom at the end of the movie. Uh, I thought that uh, the Peter and Harry arc paid off well, well until they just let him die. <laughs> it's pretty wild strunk that they just kill Harry Osborn in this one. Yeah. Yeah. In, in a rather cursory fashion. And then at the end, I you know, why is he... Um, it was like uh, Padme in episode three. She just lost her will to live. Why is Harry just giving up? It seems like Spider-Man could have just rushed him to a hospital. Literally web up his wounds. Yeah. Get to a hospital. Like, um, it, was, it was bizarre. It was as if Harry Osborn had realized he got everything out of life he wanted and... It was it was a, it was sad and, and cursory, yeah. Which also, by the way, uh, something I noticed on my watch, and I, I, I had put it in my tweet, where it's just like, why on earth is Gwen and Captain Stacy at Harry's funeral? Yes, that I noticed that too. No sense. Like I saw it them there, and I was like, big deal in town, you know? Everyone knew Harry Osborne. No, why would it was also a very small funeral, clearly. So only certain people were invited, yet they sought to invite the chief of police and his daughter, who had never interacted with Harry Osborne the entire movie. Yeah. Was she Peter's plus one? Because that would be messed up. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, you know, they were paying him. 
salaries. So like, come show up. For the yeah, scene. The, the real answer is because the actors. Yeah, we paid you. Day. We paid you. You got to show up. You got to be here. Uh, some more, some more villain stuff from Tom Palmer, uh, who who actually enjoyed Spider Man Three, but in the it's uh, so bad it's good way, I believe. Uh, Tom wrote in and said, "I'd love to have been in the room when they cast Topher Grace as Eddie Brock." Venom doesn't work because Raimi put his focus on on Sandman instead, and poor Topher Grace was miscast. Where do we stand on on this? Because I think uh, I imagine we all like Topher Grace outside, like separate from this. Uh, he like, should have been Peter Parker. They should have. Cast there's an alternate him universe where Topher Grace is a great Peter Parker. Uh, Eric Foreman as Spider Man works. You know that yeah. should be fine. Um, this is not like Eddie Brock as Eddie Brock is depicted in the source material. This is a very different character. It's just like a totally different character. And they're just trying to like uh, map uh, a Tobey Maguire type into the into the movie as an opposite number. They spend zero time on on developing that character at all. Uh, do either of you have any defenses of of Topher as Eddie or Eddie generally? Uh, none. None abs- at, at all. But I, I did want to get your guys' take on the fact that he plagiarized and we're supposed to like feel empathy for him or sympathy for him. I am not a, a creative who is in the industry of, you know, writing things that get published and whatnot. I feel like you two have to have strong thoughts on this. I had zero sympathy for him whatsoever. Yeah. I had no sympathy for him. It, yeah. it, 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 yeah. it, it was not well done. It was badly done. And I think they weren't, it's so weird because it, 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 they weren't trying to make a sympathetic villain. They were trying to do like this anti-Spider-Man that doesn't work when you have Peter Parker acting like anti-Spider-Man. So you just have two people who are acting like that and it makes no yes. sense. It's a great also, point. as I said, like the, the sociopath, like they really should have played the sociopath thing more because like the dude goes into a church and like literally prays to God to murder. After someone. he was told, like, if you're looking for forgiveness, go seek religion. He's like, go oh, that's religion. a good idea. Hey, God, kill Peter kill, Parker. Kill Peter Parker. A, th- a thing like, as you know, if you if you pray to God famously, he will just smite whoever you're praying. Like, yeah, 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 done. Got that, dude. Yeah, yeah. sure. Thunderbolt. Yeah, uh, it's just it, it's such a weird, weird thing that they did with that character. But I do like Topher Grace, and like again, like I was like, oh yeah, you could have been a good uh, Peter Parker. Like you probably could have been good in this role, but. Yeah, I it's hard to defend it and I don't know. We're, I just I I like Tover Grace and I like what they could have gone with maybe. We'll see once we get to the villain rankings, I guess. He's awful. It's not good. <laughs> I'll tell you that. It's not good and that orange hair, forget it. It's very very bad. Uh Todd the Librarian. Todd writes in and says, I hate how it squandered the perfect casting of Thomas Hayden Church's Sandman. Did we really need to do the Joker and Tim Burton's Batman thing and tie him to Uncle Ben's death? Not every villain needs a direct personal connection to the hero's real identity. Um, Strunk, what would you have done with Sandman? Let's say you're Sam Raimi, Strunk. How do you handle Sandman? It's a good question. I think so. I was thinking generally going into the into the podcast about like what makes a good villain and i think sandman has a lot going for him um i wrote out, i wrote out like a, a list of things I'll, I'll like briefly run through them i think like a cool power set we understand their motivation they're a cool character they have moral complexity and moral culpability those were like my five things and i feel like sandman could have fit all five of these right he has a i think he has a very cool power set that's different from the protagonist i would have liked to have seen more of the spider-man versus sandman sort of action that that we got in the kind of like the the chase scene of the bank that was the robbery best i thought that was by movie. far the best action scene because you had like 
Peter Parker having to figure out how to combat something that's brand new to him. I love the line, actually. Where do these guys keep coming from or, or whatever that line was? I thought that was good. I think where they lost me on Sandman was similar to what um, Kevin was saying earlier. His plan just didn't make any sense. Um, the contrivance of him killing Uncle Ben just kind of took me out of it. I, I would have wanted probably, if you're going to do the Uncle Ben thing, introduce it earlier, have more of a tie in with the daughter, at least show us maybe more of the story before he was incarcerated about what he was trying to do for his daughter, especially if that's going to motivate why he accidentally killed Uncle Ben to begin with. I think that's important because then you understand kind of the moral complexity behind where he's coming from. Um, yeah, I, I think things of that nature would have moved it more in a direction of like making him a compelling villain. Cause I think the most, the most compelling villains as as Kevin and you have said in the past, they're people who you can understand where they're coming from. The, to me, the perfect example is, is Killmonger, right? You understand his motivation. You understand where he's coming from. And we, we, we're shown that in that we, we saw his daughter, daughter, but we never really got the backstory and the depth of that, that I think would have more enlivened the character story. Yeah. Yeah. For I, sure. I, I mean, I, I definitely, there's a lot that, that they probably could have done with Sam. And it's so complicated because it also comes down to like the, the, what makes a good villain. Like to me, a lot of what you said, I, I agree with, but I think that the, the, the problem becomes when you're trying to make a character too overly sympathetic, and it moves away from villainy to sort of not even anti-hero, but just sort of like, okay, I get where you're coming from. And I don't like it. it you lose the element of like the, 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 the good guy fighting them. Right. Like if you lose that element, the good guy's actual struggle. And it just becomes like the good guy just needs to forgive this guy and he'll float away into the ether. Like you lose a big part of what a story needs to be there. And I think like, if you look at Killmonger and you look at like, let's go to Mr. Freeze, right? Mr. Freeze is actually a great comp. Cause that's clearly what they were trying to do is make this character have a motivation that you could relate to. Um, but Mr. Freeze at the same time is cold hearted, pun intended and a killer. Like he is so determined to save his wife. He will murder anyone in his path. He will do anything because that's all that matters to him. And like, you understand his motivation, you get where he's coming from, but he is dangerous and he is deadly. He has done bad things. All we get from Sandman is that he, we think he killed uncle Ben, maybe. Um, and that's it. That's it. He robbed a bank once, and then that's, or, but not even a bank, like a robbery once, and that's it. And then yeah. this time he shows back up and he did some more bank robbery. That's yeah. it. Like so, yeah. like, what, like, there's nothing that that you're there. Like, oh, this is a danger. He's a villain, and I think that's a problem, or an antagonist, even. Like, I think mm-hmm. you lose, you lose what a villain is by doing that. Again, Harry, I think, does have more villainous motivations and is a villain more than you're doing with Sandman. And if you weren't going to incorporate the venom part of it, then what are you left with? Like Harry has to be your final villain. It can't be Sandman. That doesn't make any sense then. Yeah, I think you're right. I think so. If I had one overarching criticism actually of the, of the villains in the Spider-Man trilogy as a, as a whole, it would be that like none of them to your point, uh, Kevin have any form of, um, you know, moral culpability. And by that, I mean, like, you know, Green Goblin, he was crazy because like crazy gas made him crazy. And Doc Mm -hmm. Ock was crazy because his chip fell out of his head and the Sandman's, you know, finger slipped on the trigger and Harry Osborn had his memory erased. Like Sam Raimi or whoever the powers that be were, they wanted the they wanted the audience to sympathize with the villains. They wanted to have villains, but they wanted the audience to like. Um, understand the villains to a degree that the villains evil actions were basically 
excused away. And I think going forward, I'd love to see a villain, whether it be in the in the MCU or I think, frankly, to me, the paradigmatic villain is, is Magneto. I think he's just like the best example of a villain I could come up with because Kevin's got his thumb up. Yeah, he's doing like, you know, Magneto has an amazing power set, but he's also very smart and he's very um, persuasive and he is, you know, doing evil things, but you understand why. And he's also like making a moral argument that you can understand. And there's a sort of complexity there that was just, I love a good, you know, Justin Hammer. I'm actually like a Justin Hammer defender where it's just a crazy character who is just hamming it up. But the very best villain, I think, is of the Magneto variety. And I would love to see that in the MCU or in the X-Men or in the, whatever the, you know, the, the next Spider-Man movie is when they come out of the. Who is the that? Who, who is that? Who is that bad guy for Spider-Man? Well, oh, for Spider-Man. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a good question. They had a little bit of it with the Vulture, though, right? Like he yeah. was, I think, relatable and sympathetic and understandable in a way, but still evil. And I think that's why the Vulture succeeded. I don't think every villain needs to be that. Like you have the kill. the the best villains are right. You have your killmongers, you have your mm-hmm. Thanos, you have your vulture. Mm-hmm. Like, um, but then for every one of those, I think you, you can't fall into formula. And I think your all your villains can't be like that. You need your hellas, right? Like you yeah. need the people who are just, you need your Joker. Like the Joker works as a villain because he's chaos personified. The Joker is scary. You, you either can make your villain sympathetic or you have to make them scary. You have to make them like interesting. And I think that's the key point. Make your villain interesting. It doesn't necessarily mean they have to be sympathetic or understandable. They need to be interesting. What? Um, what yeah. What yeah. I would love. What I would love the most, and I think the MCU can do this, is have a villain that goes across multiple movies, where it's like, and it's not. It doesn't even need to be. I think a villain with a power set that is used every movie. It can just be, you know, the Norman Osborn just shows up and is in the background and he's a charming persuasive guy who's doing, you know, who's harnessing whatever social ill there is at the time to like advance his agenda. I don't know, but carry it across several movies. So you get a buildup of some kind. And I think if they're going to introduce anyone as the big bad in the next one, I've, I've heard, you know, Matthew McConaughey's name floated around as Norm Osborne. I think that would be good. It makes, it makes some sense. All right. I, all right. But the, all the right. person who is the person I came up with that I wanted to pitch? It's the guy who plays the main dude in Succession. Oh, Jeremy went, Strong. No, not well. Jeremy Strong would be great. I'd love to see oh, him. Oh, Brian the, Cox. And, yeah, Brian Cox. Get an old, get an old fat Norman Osborn man That's kind of who's hysterical. just like That's amazing. super. Jeremy Strong is like, Harry Osborn. <laughs> yeah, super persuasive yeah. and charming. Uh, and, so uh, we're and, good. Yeah, yeah, I w- that's what I want to see. I, I, that's some oddball casting, but that, that's my fan cast. Um, I love the idea of Brian Cox as old man Norman and Jeremy Strong as Harry. Although, uh, the Colkin would be great as, uh, <laughs> as, as Harry as well. Just mm-hmm. do the whole Osborne kids. <laughs> I think it'd be good. I think it'd be great. They're all like, they're all just Osborns. You could do. I you could do uh, Siobhan Roy as Mary Jane, new Mary Jane. That could be fun. I would prefer to see, rather than bring back Green Goblin, I would rather have a Doc Ock return, like a new Doc Ock. I'd rather like explore some other stuff rather than, I don't know why, but like Green Goblin just is one of those things that I'm not feeling like I want to see in a Spider-Man movie again. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess in the same way. Well, because like, they, they do it here. Again. They do it, you know, they do it twice in the Raimi's and they're going to, they're going to do it in a dumb way in these next two mm-hmm. ones we're about That's to talk right. about, you know, yeah. and, and it's not, it's not good. 
Uh, and it sucks because they got Dane DeHaan, who's a good actor, and he's just like the absolute wrong person to play uh, Harry Osborn. And like, if you thought that the Venom teeth were bad, like just wait until yeah. you see what they do to Dane DeHaan. Uh, so like they they've like kind of like they've they've evaporated a lot of the goodwill, which stinks because I think that there's a really cool um, uh, vacuum right now for like an anti Tony Stark. You know, and like, mm-hmm. I think like they played with that a little bit with the Mysterio character and Far yeah. From Home. Um, but I think as far as like somebody in the MCU to, to your point, strunk like track across a few movies, Norman Osborn would be a cool character in that regard. Um, I think the one that comes the most readily to mind to me now, because Marvel Studios owns the character again, uh, would be, um, Dr. Doom. Uh, I think I think that that would be the person that like you can you can build a, a long arc around uh, in a way that can be both grounded and heightened simultaneously. Um, I think actually that's another big one. Kingpin's good. I think that the problem is is like I would I really do want them. To, I would want D'Onofrio back because he's so good as Kingpin. So they've already done a lot with Kingpin. And is that somebody because like it's so oddly tied to the Netflix stuff? Do they have to figure out? whether they untangled that, like they can have like daredevil and Luke Cage and all of that back. But like how much of that continuity do they want to like say, like is, is either wiped or they're bringing with them. So there's some questions there as somebody who's just like, sort of like a pure blank slate right now. I think uh, Victor Von doom um, is, you know, cause like he's, he's just as tainted as the fantastic four proper are right now, uh, which we don't know what that looks like. You know, you throw Marvel Studios and the Marvel Cinematic Universe branding on just about anything and it tends to sell. So I think that a Marvel Cinematic Universe and Marvel Studios Fantastic Four is going to sell. And I think a Marvel Studios Marvel Cinematic Universe Doctor Doom is a character that could travel. Uh, and I think that he could do a lot of the stuff that we're we're kind of talking about here. That would be I would love that. I would love that. I think if I can make a prediction, though, I think in the next Spider-Man movie, what we're going to get is they've always wanted, you know, Sony's always wanted to do the Sinister Six, it seems. Especially you'll see that in, in, with the Sinister Six basement in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, but that's the, where, uh, uh, Kevin, that's where uh, Batman's parents die. <laughs> oh, that's uh, where you meant. Yes, uh, I see now. Uh, but uh, I, the, the criticism against, you know, doing the Sinister Six is that you don't have the six villains who are eight capable of being introduced and built up as characters all in one movie. You know, look at what happened when they tried to do three in this one. But I feel like there's a, you know, the hack here in the MCU is you just have the the sling ring portals open or whatever it is that does multidimensional transportation and outcomes six villains from the six diff from like various spider-man movies across the amazing spider-man franchise God, if they don't uh, bring dylan baker in as the lizard i let I you be a lizard 100 percent with you on that i would let love him dylan be baker. a lizard <laughs> he deserves poor it guy. this poor guy we'll talk about that more next week um let's do some rankings let's do the sinister six rankings uh, I know there are uh, some contentions around the rankings. I don't want to get into it. I don't want to get into it. We can save that for a future debate, Kevin. Let's just rank. Sure. Especially because I think we're pretty, we're, we're mostly simpatico this week. We're not, or at least we're not like terribly far off from each other. Yeah. Uh, I think we could, we can mostly relate. We could like, I think we can speak, uh, adjacent, uh, adjacent languages here. Uh, I gave, I gave Spider-Man three a two. I, I, I don't know. I, I, and I don't know if that's too high. I don't know if that's, if, if that's a little bit lower than it ought to be because of some of the things that I did really like. I gotta just reiterate that I really, uh, I really loved watching that first hour 
except for a couple of points. They were big points, but for the most part, I really enjoyed watching the first hour. Uh, and then like it just totally fell apart and commits the biggest crime, which is that it just ends up being really boring. It's just, it's a, it's a bummer. I'm, I think that the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies are really fun. Uh, those first two, I don't think that they're transcendent. Um, but I think that both of them are, 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 are at the very least pretty good. Uh, and it's just such a shame that the era ends with such a fart, uh, which is, which is what Spider-Man three is. Um, I also gave it a two, which is pretty generous. Um, it was not good. I honestly, part of me is just like, it's too, too high. Yeah. But like, there's just, but I, I, I don't know. I, I guess in the long run, I also expect worse coming. And I, I, I can't. I can't yeah. I'm leaving that. some room uh, just in case these next two are worse. And I don't know. Yeah. I, it's been so long since I've seen them. And I, I do think there were things that were enjoyable. The Harry stuff, sure. You know, I, I think that to call out the beginning parts were, were pretty good. I, again, it's just the, the, there's stuff where like the the Peter and MJ stuff is so bad. But even then, like we didn't talk about this, but I did want to call it out because like for everything that we've talked about, for everything that we, we, we've touched on that we hated, the, the thing, the moment that I hated the most in this entire movie um, is... The scene when Harry is back to, has his memory confronts MJ and is just like, "I need you to do this. Or I'm going to kill Peter." And then in broad daylight, she goes to the bridge and like yes. breaks up with him. That is the dumbest, yeah. stupidest. Why doesn't she just tell him? Scene. I think the just, movie you really know, you just tell him. Yeah, you I think know the movie like irreversibly loses me there. Yeah, it's so bad because it doesn't yeah. make sense. There's no reason for her to do it. There's none, and there's nothing like you should have. You could have shown a threat, like there was bombs around. Although a spider sense would have yeah. gone off. Anything to show some level of threat to it, but no. And you know what? They could have fixed it. Because again, if you look at what was happening early on, she could have had justification. It could have been really supremely interesting if Mary Jane actually did get upset and emotional and call him out on the real stuff that she should be mad at. Talk about the fact that it's just like, no, you weren't there for me when I needed help. You know what? Harry was just like literally go and rail off at him about the actual reasons he's been a shitty boyfriend. And then you could have had a breakup scene. And then you made it worse by doing, doing having her be like, there's someone else. Bye. And you're just like, you ruined the scene. You ruined the scene. The movie never had- the movie never takes Peter Parker to task, really. And like, even like he, he hits MJ and then he has like the, the movie has the gall to get you into the place of like, he's like the moral authority that gets to forgive Sandman. Like, I forgive you. It's like, you're a dick, dude. Like, I don't really care who you forgive anymore. I'm surprised she also like didn't get her, like, didn't, I'm surprised that's not how she, he, he accidentally broke her neck because like he's hitting her at that point with full spider strength. Yeah. How in the hell did she not like fly all the way into? Yeah, like, wow, I was wondering that as crazy well. Talk. Yeah. Kevin, I, again. I, I totally grant that the bridge scene was the dumbest scene and Spider or like MJ should have just told Peter Parker what was going on. But but was it worth the pie eating scene that followed oh my God. immediately after the pie? Eating scene I, was so I good. will. It, it was <laughs> so, so good. It was it's so, so good. It's so, so good. Yeah. I love I that scene. So so the dumbness of the bridge scene is awful. But it allows us to have you could have you could have had the pie scene regardless. So you could have had the pie scene without that. I don't, like it's so nonsense that they kept that moment into. Like, there's no reason for him to do the, like it's so good. Yeah, except the to wink, just be like goofy. The wink yeah. and he disappears. The wink at the very end. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Like, if that was the Green Goblin we were getting, I would have been fine with it. Yeah, I would have been okay. Yeah. But instead, like you have these like nonsensical plans about the break. But it's just like, why are yeah. you even doing this? Why is she going along with it? God, Str- Strunk, you're, a, you're I hate a, it so much. 
you're a two as well on this. I I am a two as well. I um, you know, I think I actually I looking at my ranks. I think I gave it a higher score on the second watch, but I as an overall, I gave it a two. Yeah, yeah. There just wasn't. I I I agree. It might be. I'm an. E, I'm usually a. Frankly, I'm an easy grader. So for me, a two is really bad. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. Uh, the audience score is a 2.95. It's a total of 2.3, which makes it very easily the worst Spider-Man movie that we have ranked so far by a lot, by uh, by two full points. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, what a drop uh, in quality. Cannot, yeah. To me, the, the big question, though, because when you, you know, said choose a Spider-Man movie and I'm like, I'm going to choose the worst one. I banked on it being Spider-Man 3. I think the epic showdown that awaits you two is the amazing Spider-Man 2 versus this movie. We'll have a brief reprieve, but that is the that is the epic showdown that that must take place between. I don't know how much of a reprieve uh, it's going to be. Yeah, I I, I haven't seen Amazing Spider-Man 2, so this is going to be really interesting. And um, Mm -hmm. I have seen Amazing Spider-Man 1 and coming off of this, I'm curious to see what my take is going to be. It's going to be to be interesting, especially Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. I remember that being terrible. So I think that their chemistry is great. Uh, they dated afterwards for yeah. for a little they, bit. They actually. dated, I think, during. And yeah. I, I want, I want to hold that. I want to hold that until I see it because I don't. I think their chemistry is is good because they're dating, but I think their screen presence is terrible. Interesting. And okay. Cool. I'm, I'm I'm curious to get into that. Yeah. Let's, let's. You know, I've never really given much like critical thought to these movies. Uh, I think I, had, I think <laughs> I had to. Yeah. I no. I think I had to review one of them once, and I think I was like, oh, it's good. But I'm I'm. Uh, there's a reason that I'm not a critic. There's a reason I'm not like a, a, I write reviews. I'm very bad at it. Uh, I can kind of tell you what I like and what I don't. I think I can speak it, but I can't write it very well. Anyway, um, villain rankings. We've got three to rank. Um, again, I think at least, Strunk, I don't have yours right in front of me, so you'll, you'll weigh in. Um, yeah. Kevin, I don't think we were terribly far off on most of these. We're like a point off in, in some. Um, we're a half point off with Sandman. I'm a three. You're a 2.5. And I think that three for me is, I think it's just perfect casting. I think some of the ideas that they're trying to express are good, but God, they screw it up. They screw it up. This was such a layup. Thomas Hayden Church's Sandman was a layup, dude, and they just totally biffed it. Uh, and he, he scores as high for me as he does on like the, the pure, uh, the pure presence of Thomas Hayden Church and like the great casting that's behind that. And the, of course, the shirt. Gotta give him points for the shirt. I didn't go as high because I didn't really care about the casting that much. I think he was g- well cast. I, I I didn't connect to the to the to, to him in that role as you did. So hence the two point five. I think is very fair. Um, that's kind of actually generous now that I think about it. But sure, totally fair, totally fair. Strunk, where did you land with Sandman? Yeah, Sandman. I gave a two point five as well. Um, I I found him relatable, but just didn't quite make it in terms of uh. You know, I agree with Kevin. The the story arc just didn't end uh, well, or at all. Yeah, <laughs> you know, really. Yeah, he just or at all. Fades away. I did. I did like that he was like a proto, uh, um, Ma- man in black, except uh, dust style. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've got uh, a three point three seven for Sandman from the audience. It's a two point nine for Sandman. Uh, spoiler alert: He is the best of the Spider-Man three villains. Uh, <laughs> Here comes Harry Osborn, who I again I think on performance, uh, this is this is really carried by performance, and I think yeah. like that's why it gets the same score for me as I gave to Sandman is the three because I actually think that the story in some ways is worse, um, and I hate what they do with him with the ending and like 
there's a lot that I hate uh, about how they treat Harry in this movie, but Harry is doing a killer Willem Dafoe, uh, James Franco. What, what Franco, Franco's really not just chewing on pie, but chewing on scenery in this movie. And so I'm, I'm giving him props for that. So a three from me, it feels generous. I'm giving him a three. I, I gave him a two, and that two is also just all Franco. But like the rest of it is is terrible. Bad. Like yeah. his, his plot, his, his plotline makes no sense. Like I said, his his cliche nonsense of just like you have to break up with him. <laughs> like that's so stupid. That's so dumb. Um, and then the fight scene, like uh, you know, when <laughs> the fight scene when they're in the apartment is so bad. Like I like like to 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 like what felt like discount jazz music. Like what was that? What was that? Like just two people, like it. basically like slapping around at each other like it was just I, I don't know it just didn't it didn't flow well um I, I i did not like that fight scene the only thing good about that fight was the very end where he throws a bomb and peter like webs it and tosses it back at him it's the coolest thing in arguably one <laughs> most of the movies so like that was awesome but like the rest of that scene uh that scene did have one of my favorite goddamn moments in the movie though like <laughs> like the last we see him he's he's normal peter and he uh you cut to there and Harry is there with the drink and Peter's standing behind him completely out of focus. And Harry's just like, oh, you want a drink? <laughs> oh, I guess not. And then as he turns, Peter comes into focus and he's fully emoed out. The hair is there. His shirt's all black. The eyeliner. And I was just like, I literally laughed so hard when that happened. It's such a Sometimes the movie scene. has some moments so like that that are like so, so dumb, dumb, but they make you laugh. So like, in, in this time that we live in, like, I cherish anything that gives me such a big belly laugh. Like, that's fun, I mean, that's, bad. That's, that's fun, the, bad. Yeah that's, yeah, that's the room level, right? Like, that's, yeah. that's the room right yes. there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so stupid. And there's, like, a few things. Like, that's very room bad. And there's, there's some other emo Peter things that are, like, room bad. Uh, the, and, and the only thing from the jazz scene that I would like to keep is when it cuts to his mouth and he goes, dig on this. Uh, like so bad. it's so, so good dig on also like as you know any person could just run up on stage and start playing with the band and playing their instruments and they're just like yeah this is fine like he just literally runs from his seat up on stage starts playing the piano and the rest of the band is like all right if, yeah if that happened though in a jazz bar that you were in what would you do i feel like i would be scared and would run away i would if be very would, nervous that something bad yeah, was about to if happen. a guy was swinging yeah. on a chandelier in tossing a cocktail to someone, so I would. I'm out of that. I would. Yeah. I would leave. I would go. Like, <laughs> Peter I would Dingle be would there. be out of control. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Wouldn't be good. Wouldn't be good. Yeah. Uh, Strunk, where did where did you grade Harry Osborne? I gave him a two point five. So I'm in the I got smack dab in the middle yeah, of you two. Sure, um, sure, sure. The uh, you know Franco just brought me joy. That's the only reason. The yep. the cotton candy, the the omelet, the uh, the pie. I feel like it's all food related, but but it was fun to watch. It was uh, yeah. a 3.02 from the audience. Uh, it's a 2.67 total for Harry Osborne. I'm giving Venom a zero. <laughs> wait, but I, wait, I have a question here. I hate him so much. I hate, I hate everything about this. I think this <laughs> is the movie ruiner for me. He's so boring. How is Venom boring? Is crazy. It's crazy. Those teeth. The teeth. Yeah, the teeth are off. The teeth. Oh, I hate them so much. And like the extreme close-ups of 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 uh, of Eddie Brock with those teeth and his Venom symbiote suit, just like down so that like you could see so much 
collarbone and shoulder. And it's like, all of this is making me so upset. This is all terrible. The aesthetics are nonsense and bad. The thematics make no sense. The casting is awful. Sam Raimi didn't want anything to do with this. Sony wanted Venom in here and you ruined it. You destroyed it. You ruined everything. Venom is a zero. Venom in Spider-Man 3 is everything I hate about bad guys and superhero movies. Zero. Flat zero. Question, should Venom be separate from Eddie Brock? Like, do they deserve separate rankings? No. Or are they they're we're one entity? Toge- we'll just put it together. Okay, that's put good to know. That, too that many things to grade. Too many that things to grade. influences my ranking. That, yeah. that influences the ranking. Okay. Give him a zero. Hate him. I actually had him at a one, but hearing everything you just said, Josh, and trying to think about, like, okay, well, Venom is also beyond Eddie Brock, though, right? Like, because he influenced Spider-Man. So, like, what about the suit part of it? And because of Venom, we also got Emo Peter, and we also got the dance sequence, and we got all that stuff. I'm going to change my score. You're right. This is a zero, dude. <laughs> this is He's a zero. Awful. I'm not going with one. This is awful. This is awful. This is terrible. Everything about Venom, like, and I think, like, this needs to be a moment where we take a stand. You know, we've been very lenient with a lot of... Oh, no. <laughs> ...over the course of time. Um, it's, it's time that a villain gets a, gets a double O from, from Kevin. Yeah. I don't think that's ever happened. I think the only it villain, I, uh, the only other one I gave a zero was Malekith, and uh, no, this is worse. Yeah, you know. Well, look, we have like multiple sixes in our rankings over the course of doing all of these podcasts, and I think we talk a lot about like we would break the scale, and I think that that could be a fun podcast someday. Is like break the scale on those sixes would be great. Um, we need a few uh, data points on the other end, right? So let's, you know, there may be some more zeros coming up in the next couple of movies. It's I not think there will. <laughs> you know, I don't think Dane DeHaan is going to do much better than, than Venom for me would be my guess. Uh, what, about, so, what is it, Ricefrin? Uh, Reese Ifans uh, yeah. as the lizard is whatever. Yeah, you know, this is like the gigantically naked King Koopa. Uh, I was gonna say I remember him looking like a like a like a Goomba from uh, from Mario. From Mario, yeah. Oh God, uh, Strunk. Where did you where did yeah. you go with uh, with Venom? So I gave him I I gave him a one point five. I oh feel my like <laughs> no, I'm I'm not regretting it. That's I'm regretting insane. it. I feel like uh, I've lost all credibility, and your your argument has persuaded me, but. I have to stand by my I understand. procedural rules. I understand. Once I once I put it in, even if I'm crazy when I put it in, it's locked. I cannot change it. So I gave it a 1.5 yesterday when I rewatched, and I, I got to stick with it. I guess maybe what I was thinking in my head when I did that was uh, if you lump Eddie Brock and and Venom together, maybe uh, I don't know. You know what? I'm, I'm grasping the straws. I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking there, but yeah, I'm sticking with the 1.5. Oh, it's so bad. It's just so bad. I just can't. It's I really can't. Bad. Uh, it's my, my the least emo, Like, like the, the venom is a direct result of the email because of venom. He did that scene where he comes out and he does the like, looks in the mirror and it's just like, yeah. Like, what is that? What is that with him like sweeping his oh it's so bad. You know, the president liked my chemical romance in high school, and I still think that that's just awful. Like like I like the like, type of music, and this is still trash. Ugh. It's not good. It's not great. Uh spider suits. Kevin, my favorite running bit is that like you grade the different Spider-Man like blue and red suits in these <laughs> movies differently every time. And I'm like, yeah. what are you seeing that I'm not seeing? Because for me, I'm just it's the same score every time. Uh, this is another 4.5. I like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man suit. Are they really changing it to the degree that I, Ke- I, Kevin, let me just spoil what you've done. Kevin gave, a, uh, <laughs> he gave a 4.5 for the first Spider-Man. 
Then you gave a 5.5 for Spider-Man 2 because they reduced the silver, right? Was what Mm -hmm. you said, I think. Uh, And now your Spider-Man classic suit for this one is a 4. So why is this a half point lower than the Spider-Man suit from the first one? Because they, so from, from did I even I was ask seeing, you before we came on? I was like, is there anything different about the spider suit? And you're like, no, there is the <laughs> no. I did. I said that it's it is different to me because like uh, the the blue is actually darker, it's closer to black in the uh, in, in the actual color uh, in the actual suit design. Um, <laughs> I need like side by sides. I mean, yeah, the side by sides would help, but from what I what I Fucking like looking at, it, I was like, oh, suit. the blue is darker. It's it's blacker. <laughs> Uh, so it doesn't look as good. It's the same reason, like in um, same Homecoming. Suit. It's I don't think it is, man. I don't think it is. And maybe I mean maybe I'm crazy, but I also would attribute it to the fact of my job that I have to pay attention. to It's like, true. It's a true. lot of these things. It just as maybe just as like uh, as a as a total uh, novice in this realm, it just cracks me up. Uh, just like seeing like the score disparity on the same the thing that just like every time like you could just like show the same card to me every time. <laughs> Over and over. So I'm like, how did he get from a 4.5 to a 5.5 to a 4? What happened? Uh, so there's like this piece where I think you're just messing with me and it's driving me crazy. I I, I'm it. not, I'm not messing with you. <laughs> I'm trying to see if I can find something. But. <laughs> Strong, how are, have your scores of these suits been mostly stable or what? So, so I, I googled this because I was like intent on making sure I accurately rank stuff and I saw that there was functionally a difference according to the internet there is so Kevin is right according to whatever Google source <laughs> I found um, <laughs> that said like my eyes like Daniel Strunk's eyes cannot notice <laughs> a difference in this so I just scored it the same for all three movies. Yeah. At a 5.5. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, uh, the people have spoken. They are, uh, a little bit higher on this one than the first one. In fact, they are, this is their favorite of the classic Spider-Man suits. Hmm. Uh, but that doesn't negate the other rankings of IE, mine and Kevin. Uh, gives it a 4.6. So this is, uh, coming in as the lowest ranked classic red and blue spider-man suit um just to spoil it the the bottom ranked suit period for all of the spider-man movies is the black spider-man suit from this movie according to the rankings um which i would not have guessed i i really am surprised but you guys have articulated your reasons why you're both kind of low on this one I, I like it, but like, I think we are, uh, you know, my, my attention to detail on this stuff may be, <laughs> may I, I be th- wanting. <laughs> I think it just symbolically represents to people all the problems with this movie. Sure. And I get that. I get that. I gave it a 4.5. I like seeing him in action in it. I think it's cool. Um, but I, I totally hear that. I think that that's fine. Kevin, you gave it a, a two and a half. Yeah, I just again like you. You just turn this to black. Like add add a little more design elements to it. I don't know, like something to make it like um, just just a little bit better. It, it yeah. felt lazy. Where it's just like we just like color swap. There we go. Yeah, yeah. you did like the the paint function where you right. you get the, exactly. the the thing and just click it once. Yeah, I liked yep. it. I thought they did a good job with the click. You know, sometimes that's harder than it looks. That's true. That's you know, true. you click one spot and then like a whole corner of the image gets like yeah. It's like oh yeah, you're right. Control Z. Undo. Uh, the audience actually was higher on this than you would think. Uh, 4.7. Uh, but Kevin, wow. your 2.5 drags it to hell, Sam Raimi style. 3.94. It is the bottom of the barrel. 
It's the worst of the Spider-Man suits as it stands. Um, let's talk about, uh, we can finally put Tobey Maguire officially on the board. Yep. He is lower than Tom Holland. That's not a surprise. Uh, that was always going to be the case. I think he ends up as a 4.07 out of six. Once you average, uh, the, the full scores of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man one, two, and three. And we were very much on the same page for, uh, the first two Spider-Man, Kevin, I did give uh, Toby Maguire a four in this because I think that's uh, insanity. Yeah, wow. I think I think it's I think it's too high, but he cracked me up with the uh, with the emo stuff. But uh, I think I got to go lower. I think that that's is like crazy. precisely reason for me. Yeah, I where, think that's crazy. Why he is low because yeah. he he the idea too is we're ranking him on like how good of a Spider Man and Peter Parker is he, and he's not good as Spider-Man he's not Parker he's not he's very bad he's very bad yeah. in this. Uh, so Spider Man, he's a total it. jerk. <laughs> and as Peter it. Parker. Ew. I'm adjusting it. Uh, so it's, it's a, it's a two. It's a two for me, dog. I'll, I'll go with what Kevin's got <laughs> here. Uh, it's, it's not good. Uh, well, that screws up the math on, on the ranking, but let's just go ahead and say he's, it's not great. Uh, <laughs> the, the average is tanked. I think that he's, uh, he's real, he's, he's either like mid to high threes or very low fours is where we wind up with Toby McGuire. Um, it's unfortunate because he was good in the previous two. I mean, he's also, you know, he's also super, super goobery. We talked in the yeah. second one. I thought he was better in this one. The two scenes where he's just there on the roof and he does it just like, they really like me. It's just like, ooh. Yeah. And then when he's in the, he's at the restaurant and he's just like, oh, oh, what's that? There's something in your drink. Oh, oh, oh my god. Oh, in the moped. I'm just like, oh, you're such a goober. The moped was super goober too. I love the I love the moped. Yeah. But like that's a that's an okay gooberness. Just uh, yeah, the other blah, blah. That's like, yeah, reading poetry level. Just get out of here. There is uh there are no more Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, at least as of For this now. recording. We don't know yeah. what the future holds. Uh there was to be a Spider-Man 4. Uh, allegedly, John Malkovich eyed as the vulture, which would have been really crazy. That would have been cool. <laughs> yeah, Malkovich's vulture in like the Raimi style could have been really, really something. Especially for How this. was it not Dylan Baker as a lizard? I don't know if he was also going to be in it or what. Um, but you know, this movie didn't get off the ground for a lot of reasons. I think I remember. Did Tobey Maguire have like some sort of injury at one point in time? Um, that was what, that was Spider Man two. He that did, was Spider Man two. Yeah, got he it. got injured filming Sea Biscuit, and then yeah. and he hurt his back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was like I think maybe it was budget stuff. Maybe it was like creative. Who knows what it is? But you know, for whatever reason, Spider Man four doesn't go forward. Sony decides to cut bait and reboot the whole thing. And we're gonna get into those reboots in a moment here. Uh, that's next week. We're we're going into Amazing Spider Man. Which is a, a 2012 movie, so a couple of years have passed since uh, uh, since Spider-Man Three has come out. We're now in like firm Marvel Cinematic Universe territory. Spider Amazing Spider-Man is coming out the same year that the Avengers is coming out. Uh, so there's a lot of like points of comparison by which I think that this uh, upcoming duology is truly going to suffer in in the side by side. Uh, but we've got a lot to talk about with that stuff. And I have not rewatched these movies in easily like five years, you know, since they came out, uh, not longer. Um, and I, I would say I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but I don't know that I am. I will, I, I look forward to the podcast, Kevin, but same. I don't know that I'm looking, I'm looking forward, forward to watching forward, the movie. I'm looking forward to the same way I look forward to Spider-Man three. I think 
to help what's going to happen is that I might also live tweet both of those because like, I think what would help me get through it was being like almost having this like, um, um, like outlet as it's happening. Like I know you did the, 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 the live stuff on, on the discord. And I think that probably helps the experience because it's the same reason. Like when I saw cats in theaters, I really enjoyed the experience of watching it in theaters because we were all there knowing what we were about to do. Um, and so we just had a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and I think in the group setting, it helps. I think if I was sitting at home by myself because uh, my fiance refuses to watch these movies, uh, we'll watch the the third one and then absolutely not on Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. Um, we would just be, be by myself. My dog would probably abandon me and go upstairs and be like, no, thank you. And just watching this alone would be very sad. So I think I am, I'm probably going to live tweet just to get through it. Uh, Strunk, what are your expectations for Amazing Spider-Man and part and parcel with that? Uh, now that it is Sam Raimi's Spider-Man no more, do you have any, any thoughts as we exit the Raimi era and move into Mark Webb's two Spider-Man movies? You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to rewatching the Amazing Spider-Man and the Amazing Spider-Man 2. I, I have not seen them, gosh, I think since they came out. I mean, I never did a rewatch of them. So I think it's going to be hard to judge them on their own without, you know, having in the back of your mind, the Raimi verse. Right. So I'm going to try to like, give them a fair shake. Cause I know going into the amazing Spider-Man, there was tons of fatigue of like, do we really need this origin story again? Um, and I think that, that, you know, threw shade on the, a lot of people's experience with the movie that maybe if it stands alone, it will hold up better. Um, without that shadow of the reboot, uh, you know, hanging over it. So I'm looking forward to that. I am expecting the amazing Spider-Man two though, to just be a pile of garbage. I think that, <laughs> I think the amazing Spider-Man might be redeemable, but the amazing Spider-Man two, the big debate, I really cannot wait for you guys to hash it out on Spider-Man three versus the amazing Spider-Man two. Uh, in terms of the putting a pin or tying a bow on the, the Raimi verse, you know, you can I put a pin was, in it too. Don't be afraid. Put a pin in it. Yeah, it's, you're right. It can take you're it. Right, I can do both. Yeah. Um, I think it would, they, they cut it off at the, at the knees too quick. Well, cut it off at the knees doesn't make sense. This is the very, they cut it off too, too soon. I think they should have had a Spider-Man four. I mean, they were batting, I think two for three. And there was, they, it's the sort of thing where you can like learn from what you did wrong here. This is like a, a prime example where maybe Raimi could have looked at Spider-Man three and been like, yeah, I, I kind of overextended myself a bit. And instead of getting, you know, attack of the clones, where they didn't, where George Lucas didn't learn from his mistakes and the Phantom Menace, maybe we would have gotten like a Thor Ragnarok style, like they finally hit it in Spider-Man 4. So I would have liked to have seen that continue on and see like a more aged up Spider-Man, but maybe I'm just channeling the fact that I'm now entering, you know, like middle age myself and I want my, my superheroes to reflect that. So, yeah. um, yeah, that, so I, I, I wish they, they hadn't done the reboot, but I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of revisiting it with fresh eyes. Do you want, uh, Toby Maguire back? Should Sony be doing another Spider-Man series with Toby Maguire while Tom Holland is also still rocking Spider-Man? Is there room for such a thing? I think what they, I think, you know, Marvel is high off of the portal scene in Endgame. And they they know that they nailed it and they want to they are like, what is out there that we can do that might capture some of that again? Michael Chiklis is the thing, baby. (laughs) No, I think they they have it. I think they have it in their head that like something they can do is bring together, you know, through the multiverse, you know, plot twist. You can have Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield and Doc Ock and 
Tom Holland all like in the same movie. And I think if they if they are capable of, you know, and they haven't given us any reason to think they're not capable. If they if they are capable of nailing that, that could be pretty cool. Now, is, has the buildup been there the way there was for the endgame portal scene? No, I don't think so. But it could be really cool to see. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. We're if open. Do that We're direction. open to it. Yeah. We're open to it. Um, all right. Uh, Kevin, anything you want to say as we say goodbye to the, to the Toby, to the Sam Raimi era of Spider-Man? Uh, Godspeed, Raimi, yeah, man. That was it. I was waiting for it. <laughs> Godspeed, Spider-Man. Uh, well, Godspeed, Spider-Man 3 and good riddance. Don't let the glider hit you on the way out or do. Uh, we'll be back next week with amazing Spider-Man, uh, Strunk. What a pleasure to, to get you on here. Did it live up to the hype? The honor was all mine. Absolutely lived up to the hype. I love seeing the like actual real facial reactions of you two. Um, <laughs> isn't Kevin so expressive? It's great. I love yeah. it. It really is something. I don't know if Sometimes you ever when do Kevin these- gets really mad. Like he does this thing where like he like, he like, like eats his whole mouth and just like shakes his whole yeah. head. You do like this thing where you just get, get the hands. Yeah. Like yeah. you do this, like t- this, like this very like kind of like threatening, like teeth gritting thing that you do. <laughs> so yeah. fu- it's so fun. Yeah. You just did a little bit of a version of it just now. <laughs> It's always fun. I would, the, the visual part is the yeah. is the treat for me as well. Yeah. One no, day it, if we it, ever do like a live show. Oh yeah, it, that would be great. If live shows uh, become a thing again. Yeah, it totally lived up to the hype, guys. It was fantastic. I'm honored that I I got the chance. And let me just channel my inner fan and thanks from the everything uh, from the community generally and say you know like thanks for doing this during during COVID. It's really given us something to look forward to every week. It's just been phenomenal. I have absolutely love listening to this podcast every week. It's been great. It's been the same for us. I think like for, for Kevin and I, like to be able to do like to like pretty reliably. I know like the schedule has gotten a little off the rails at certain points, but pretty reliably to do this just about every single week for the, you know, since May, uh, with like really no end in sight because the podcast is called everything. Uh, so that sort of, uh, opens yeah. the umbrella pretty wide. Um, Stragoy, the, the umbrella, uh, that, uh, it's, it's been a, a huge, like, point of, uh, like, stabilization for, for me as well to get to do this with my friend, even when we disagree. Uh, sometimes even especially <laughs> when we disagree. We love it when you disagree. Yeah, it, makes, it makes for fun yeah. podcasts. Yeah. 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 It does. Great. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Um, and yeah, thanks for, thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks for those kind words. I'm, I don't do well with, with compliments, but uh, I, I really appreciate it. Well, you don't that. hear them a lot. So uh, I don't. I don't. <laughs> yeah. so I don't know how to it's react. It's weird so. when you hear them. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm used to it at this point. It gets awkward for the reason where it's like, oh, no, come on. Oh, another person. Another, You're really up there. Oh, just like, they really, God, they really like so me. Good. That's <laughs> it's you. It's you yeah. up there. Yeah. Just super excited uh, about everything. Strunk, what do you got going on? You you always have like a thousand plates up in the air, I feel like. Yeah. I've You know, I'm, I'm totally off social media. This isn't, uh, I'm just, you know, a lawyer who um helps a judge out down the street um i certainly work as a law clerk like a euphemism but yeah i believe it's actually real (laughs) um so i'm not i'm not in the the social media space out there promoting anything so i have nothing to plug whatsoever i do send out a annual holiday email update though once a year wiggler i think you've been on it for a few years i love reading those do you read the you actually read yeah i read the whole thing it's like long and very strunk been up to in the year and like he gives like a really big update on like uh, not just what's happened to you, but like your thoughts on the world and your yeah. thoughts on pop culture. Yes. Uh, so that's, that's gotta be coming up pretty soon. That's the, I send it every Festivus, December 23rd. So I yeah. have no, so, I have no social media to plug, but if you want to get my holiday email update, you can email, um, 
I created this email the other day, email professorstrunk at gmail.com. I don't nice. know if it was stupid to put email in the email address, but oh, nonetheless. The email I, is literally yes, email professorstrunk yes. at gmail.com. That might have been, been a huge mistake, but it is email professorstrunk at gmail.com. And I will add you to the holiday email update. Uh, worth doing. I, I recommend it. I yeah. recommend I, it. I also have a defunct Twitter that I haven't tweeted for like five years called at Uptown Strunk. If you want to see what I thought about suicide, <laughs> suicide Squad back in the day. All right. Check out <laughs> at Uptown Strunk. He's there. He's just uptown. Kevin at Kev Mahadeo. Uh, we're talking Mando. Yes, we are. Yes, we are, Mando. Um, yeah. Uh, it's been going really good. We're really excited about it. Speaking of things that, you know, have the opposite um, reaction from us, uh, Milner is going awesomely well, and uh, we've been talking about it uh, on Post Show Recaps. <laughs> so check that out. The Mandalorian podcast will be back next week, swinging into, into more superhero shenanigans. The Spider-Man journey continues. Amazing Spider-Man. It is coming next to close us out. Let's once again throw it to Nickelback. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.